0: Hello, world. Mike Cleland began his study of the UFO abduction phenomenon in 2006 as a way to better understand his own personal experiences. He has since collected a wealth of firsthand accounts in which owls manifest in highly charged moments that surround alien contact. Mike has uncovered a mysterious connection between owls, synchronicities, and UFO abduction. By looking at these elusive and often ignored aspects of abduction lore, Something truly mystical seems to be revealing itself and points to a deeper reality at play in these mysteries. It was Mike's first-hand experiences with these elusive events that have been the foundation of his research. Mike has published three books on the subject, his first one being Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee. Without further ado, please enjoy this fascinating conversation with Mike Cleland. Hello Mike.
1: Hello. Thank you.
0: Thank you for coming on the show. My honor. You've spent the last 10 years studying owls and paranormal phenomenon revo- re- surrounding owls.
1: A little more like 15 years, but somewhere it's in there. been 15 yeah. years. Well, 2006 was really when it when I s- started studying it. I got really active around 2009.
0: Why owls, Mike? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so that's the that's the like uh in the mythology of owls, like the old folklore the ancient mythology the the wives tales the owls seem to so for ancient man owls could see into the night and and they i mean obviously ancient man would have seen that would have recognized that, and the mythologies have built up around that and not only does the owl see into the night and fly in the darkness, the the core of the mythologies would be that the owl would um, fly into the darkness and then return with a message. And that's really consistent across the world's mythologies. So if we update that to present day, you know, the owl in the mythology can travel to other realms, can travel to other dimensions, can travel to the land of the dead, can travel to the land of the gods, can can pass that veil in return with a message. Presently, in my research, I'm finding that that parallels much of what I'm finding. So the ancient mythology is showing up present day in real life events. Now, if we turn the clock back, you know, 400 years and we're sitting in a village somewhere in South Dakota and I had a powerful owl experience, a powerful mystical owl experience. I had an experience with an owl where I... Where, where it felt highly charged, it felt important. I would have had an outlet. I would have been able to go to the shaman at the edge of the village and sit in his teepee and talk about or address the mystery of the owl and, and the culture would have had some way to grasp that. We don't live in that world anymore. Like Our culture has a tough time grasping the fact that owls have a rich mythic tradition and that it is playing out in real time right now. And people, So if someone has a real experience with an owl, they, they're about two mouse clicks away from finding me. If you type UFOs owls, you're going to find me. And so I have been getting these stories, a lot of them, like once a day, I get a really good A-plus story. And so your question was, why owls? This is a long answer, but they... The owls seem to impart and seem to hold and seem to have a resonance that punctuates or that um, that colors these paranormal experiences. Now, the core of my study has been UFO stuff, but it certainly goes all over the map. It, it goes to death. It goes to meditation. It goes to psychedelic drugs. It goes to um, shamanic initiations. These are all well understood in the folklore that owls play a role so that they show up in connection with ufos is really interesting to me because that that overlaps these other things death shamanic initiation and um uh like a a psychedelic trip and also um meditation i think i said that yeah Mm -hmm. so so your question: Why owls? I wish I had a good, simple answer. I, I don't because I'm still struggling with what it may or may not mean.
0: Hmm. So, how did this whole thing start for you? When did you have your first owl experience, and what what made you become so fascinated by owls?
1: So, I'm in two thousand and six. I went camping with a woman named Kristen, and. Um, I was living at the time in right next to Grand Teton National Park and I was working for an outdoor school and she worked for the school, too. And I had been away all summer. And now this seems really funny. And I the culture in that town, in that part of the world, right next to a national park, like taking someone camping for a first date is pretty normal. So I kind of said, you know, like, oh, you must have camped a lot this summer. You've been here all summer. It was it was August. Excuse me. It was October when I asked her and she said, no, I haven't camped at all. I'm like, that's terrible. Let's go Hmm. camping. Let's go out for one night. And she said yes. So we went out for one night, and we sat under the stars. And and we we didn't take a tent with us. We knew there was going to be a um, the weather was going to be nice, so we didn't bother taking a tent. So her and I sat as the sun was setting, and I was making dinner on a little camp stove. And the conversation got really deep, like surprisingly deep. And I remember this is a total stranger, and I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking like. This is—I didn't expect this depth to this person, this, this, this spiritual depth to her. And at that moment, an owl flew over us, and then another owl, and then a third owl. So there were three owls flying around us as the sun was setting, and, and we eventually laid our sleeping bags down under the stars, and, and the owls would still fly over us. They would fly right over our faces, and they would blot out the stars for just one second. It was so mystical. And after that camping trip, I said, let's go camping again. And she said, okay. And so four days later, we went out for one night again, and this time in another part of the mountains. And it was colder that night. And so, and, it, and we had a tent set up. It looked like it might rain. It actually snowed that night. And we, we said, let's, I said, let's walk up to that hill before the sun goes down because we can watch the sunset and we'll, it'll give us a chance to warm up so we can climb into the tent a little warmer. So we hiked to the top of the hill. And at the top of the hill, as the sun is setting three owls land near us fly around us and now it happened 4 days earlier and they were kind of off in the distance and they would kind of swoop above us but this time it was they were on the branch right next to us and and one of these owls landed right at our feet and i just remember looking at her and she had this wide-eyed expression of just like total astonishment and i now, what I didn't say at the time, because it was too weird, and I'm saying it now, I've sort of crossed the line, I've like totally abandoned myself to this. What I, I heard a voice in my head both the first time and the next night. I heard a voice in my head looking at these real owls that said, this has something to do with the UFOs. And after that, that those experiences... Like, I, I kind of had felt like I had permission to ask people, hey, Have you ever had any odd experiences with owls? And I had a little blog. Um, oh, excuse me. I started the blog three years later in 2009. So, when I started that blog, one of the questions I put right out there and talked about and wrote about was, You know, like, hey, has anyone had any odd experiences with owls? I want to hear your stories. And what happened is I got flooded with these stories. And so, I've been archiving, cataloging, trying to make sense of these stories. And it has turned into a full time job um not a, not a so it's been rewarding in all ways except financially it's been so keep uh but it has been remarkably rewarding to take on this 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 uh this research now let me, just one thing so when i i one of the on the first couple of days of the blog i i put the story up with kristen that was her name the woman that i took camping and i and i I, I got back to her after I had published the story on the blog or posted the story on the blog, I, and I got back to her and I said, what were we talking about? I remember we were talking about something the very first night that we saw the first owls. You were, you were talking about something. She said, oh, I remember exactly what I was talking about. She said, I was talking about, I was trying to describe the, my deepest, most heartfelt definition of what God means to me. So, like, that takes an already mystical story and, and really pumps it up into almost the transcendent. So for me, those are the kinds of ethereal clues I'm looking for. Like, I'm not a nuts-and-bolts UFO researcher. Like, I, I have actually gone to sites and measured the burn marks in a yard. I've done that kind of thing. But the real stuff, the real meat of it, to me, is this elusive, mystical stuff that seems to be intertwined with the, with the totality of the phenomenon.
0: So how long before that you had this first al experience have you been sort of intrigued or interested in UFOs
1: well <clears throat> I as a boy as a 12 year old boy I I was walking home from a high school football game so the high school football field was close to the my house and it was what all the kids did on a Friday night so and this would have been October I was living in Michigan it was a beautiful night I was walking home with a friend and I wanted to be home in time to see a television series. Do you know the TV show *Cold Shack*, the Night Stalker?
0: I've heard of it, but I've yeah, never it's, seen it. It's a, it was the predecessor
1: to the X Files. It was okay. about a d- reporter who's you know looks at ghosts and zombies and vampires and stuff like that. And uh, so I, I um, we got to a point in the neighborhood, and there was this bright orange flash in the sky, and we both said the same thing. We both kind of went, what just happened? And, and all I saw was this orange flash. It felt like God flipped a light switch. Click. The sky turned bright orange. Click. This went back to normal night. Like everything, the whole sky turned bright orange. There was no noise. Then we went through the little checklist. Could it have been like a meteorite? Could it have been like a telephone pole exploding? Could it have been a plane crash? Did something, none of it made sense. It was totally quiet. It was, and it was jarring. It was really weird. And we both were like, that didn't seem right. So, I got to my house. He went further into the neighborhood. I got home, and my parents were waiting for me. And I walked in the door, and I said they said, why are you out so late? They were angry at me. I said, I'm not out late. I said, I'd be home at 9.30. I'm home at 9.30 to see the television show that starts at 10 o'clock. And they pointed at the clock, and it was 11.30. So somewhere I lost two hours of time, between an hour and a half to two hours of time. Now, if you've read stuff in the UFO literature, like that kind of thing is a... Is a telltale sign, and that's what a UFO investigator kind of keeps their eye out for. That's a red flag that something else happened. Um, this was 1974. I I didn't know any of that, so I was just bummed out that I didn't see this television show, and I was really like annoyed that my parents were mad at me for something I didn't do. Like I didn't understand why I was out so late. So the next Monday morning at school, we're sitting around with my friend, and and uh, there's a bunch of kids at the cafeteria table and I said this weird thing happened on Friday night. And my friend interrupts and said, "Yeah, we saw a UFO with lights and everything." Can I swear on this show? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So he said, "12-year-old boy." And he said, "We saw a UFO with a he said, "We saw UFO with fucking lights and everything." And I was and I remember thinking like I didn't see a UFO. I just saw the sky turn orange. I've since contacted him and he does not remember the event. He does remember that my mom was angry at me for coming home late. So that's, that is actually not uncommon within the literature. So, or the literature of like UFO studies mm. that, um, two witnesses will have two separate things. So, so that's one story, uh, beforehand, before seeing the owls. Did like, you ever
0: tell anybody about this that I does, does that, that remembers when you told them about it? Oh, like, do they remember like you telling this story prior to the whole owl
1: You know what I have is I I, I have a, I drew a picture of I'll get to. Uh, So that story, my friend remembers that my, my uh, mom was angry or my parents were angry. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, I don't, that's hard to know. That was, that's getting close to 35 years ago, 40 years ago now. Mm -hmm. So, but, um, so I don't have any evidence of that. I do, I did see a, I was at a friend's house. His name is Kenny and, we it was a sleepover i was 12 years old it was probably right around the same time and he he pointed out the window it might have been him or me pointed out the window and like what's that and we went to the window and there was a this is actually interesting we have a can here so there was a like a coffee can shaped thing and it was rotating at this really weird angle Mm -hmm. and and sort of descending actually it was more like it's more like i can't remember yeah it was descending and rotating at the same time. It had like a pencil sticking out the top of this thing. And we watched it for maybe 30 seconds and then it just disappeared. Poof, gone. I used to say the lights went out and we couldn't see it anymore. I don't say that anymore. Cause I was, cause that's not true. W- what I remember clearly is that it disappeared. It vanished. But I was like too embarrassed to say that like at the time as a 12 year old boy. So I said, the lights just turned out. I drew a picture of that, that same night. And, um, I contacted the, the, f- the fellow with Kenny, and he Mm -hmm. also doesn't remember it. But he said his mother, he talked to his mom, and his mother remembers us drawing it. He and I both drew it, and I still have the picture that we drew that night uh, after seeing the coffee can-shaped craft.
0: Do you have any of these uh, drawings published on your website?
1: Yep, all of them published on my website. Let's pull up his
0: website so we can actually show some of this stuff. That'd probably be a good idea. What's what's your website called?
1: Um, Hidden Experience. It's all one word. And then the image of the coffee can thing would be out Kenny's window that would be the there's a little search box on the right hand sidebar you can type in out Kenny's window <clears throat> and it should pop
0: right up that'll be good if we're talking about things whatever We can pull up some oh, of the illustrations is on is. your website <sighs> and your friends that you were sleeping over with they, do they remember this experience
1: no I only talked to Kenny
0: This Kenny Kenny doesn't remember it. or he does he does not remember he does it not remember but his it.
1: mother remembers us drawing it and I still have the drawing yeah, you can see on the on the right-hand sidebar. Scroll down a little bit. Um, and there, you can search this blog. You can just type in. You can type in out Kenny's window. If you just, oh, you just went back. Go, go up to the right yeah, there, there. Search right on the, the little sidebar. right-hand
0: sidebar. Right or no, down below that search right there. This blog, yeah. Out Kenny's window.
1: Yeah, there we go. So there's the image. So that's okay. a, that's an updated drawing that I did recently.
0: Okay. And can then scroll down, down a you little bit. on that, Jordan?
1: You can double click it and it'll show up big. Okay. Yeah. So that's um that's a drawing I did recently that that captures what I saw. But if you scroll down back to the blog there, um there's an image that I drew. Uh, oop, there's sort of a strange motion. There was like an accompanying little dot of light, a pinpoint of light that that, oh, keep on going down. It should. There we go. There's the drawing I did that night.
0: So you you drew this the same night you saw it?
1: Yep. Within minutes. Both Kenny wow. and I drew it. Kenny doesn't have it, so yeah, you can double click on that; it'll grow up big. Um, that's not, it's not working. Okay, okay, that's fine. So, um, but uh, so the, there was an accompanying little dot of light in the sky. So you can see that I'm kind of. It's, it's the dots are numbered one, two, three. So when those little dots, it kind of went blink, blink, blink. Those dots were not exceptional. That would have looked just like an airplane in the night sky. We nothing unusual about those dots. Mm-hmm. But when those that dot, like. The coffee can was descending. The dot was traversing across the sky. When those two met up, that's when it disappeared. Wow. So.
0: So ever since those two experiences, you've kind of been intrigued by UFOs, by UFO phenomenon.
1: I've certainly been intrigued. I didn't start going around 1992 or three. I started, I got a UFO book. I just bought it. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, I'll just this is a topic that interests me," and it was the book was fascinating. It was called the UFO Casebook by um, Randalls. The author's name is Randalls, and then um, and then I bought another one. I bought another one. And Then all of a sudden, that was all I was reading, mm. and that's so that's almost whatever thirty years, twenty five years ago, thirty years ago to nineteen ninety, 1990, yeah, nineteen ninety two. So, um, and there's one more story which I also did an illustration for. Um, I, in, I was 30 years old. I was living in Maine in 1992, which is interesting. It was about the same time I started reading UFO books. And I woke up in the middle of the night. I was alone at the house. And I, it felt like there was a bright light coming in the window. Now, we had a deer motion sensor light out in the driveway. And I kind of thought, like, what's the bright light? And I sat up on my elbow and looked out the window. And there were five gray aliens walking towards the house. And they were backlit by a bright white light. And I have an illustration of that if you want to bring it up to you. Yeah, Yeah. Type in um, uh, bedroom window. It should come right up in that little box.
0: Gray aliens.
1: So the typical prototypical gray alien is the one you see on like the snowboarder bumper stickers and stuff like that. It's right, the, it's right. It's the skinny little being. So yeah, you can double click that. That should get big. Holy cow! So that's hell? and I did have a little dinosaur on my um, I did have a little dinosaur on my uh. On you my did windows, have it, so, yeah. So, <laughs> and and they were and so they I'm looked
0: a, just like that. They were they were standing in a perfect line like well, that. Well, you
1: know, it was funny. They actually were walking on the snow, and I I tried to draw them walking. And it distracted from it. So it looked like they were trying to dance or something. It like, but they were all in a line like that. Like, to, to try to draw them walking was a little awkward. Mm-hmm. So they were actually walking, but I drew them standing, and they would have been walking. Now, that light in the background would have been about the size of a washing machine. You know, like, it would have been perfect. It was like a landed flying saucer. But that's not what I. That's not my memory. And now, is it okay if I just go on about this? Cause this uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So. um Please. This, this, accompanying this, like, like I got up the next morning and dismissed it completely as a dream, right? So I, I, but when I saw this out the window, I looked at this thing. This is scary, right? This should have been, I should have, like, jumped out of bed. I should have, like, locked the doors. I should have, like, grabbed a knife and defended myself. I didn't. I heard a voice in my head that said very calmly, now is the time to put your head on the pillow and shut down. And that's exactly what I did. I just... I just rolled over and went to sleep. What also accompanied that moment was this sensation. It was dreamlike, but I don't. But it wasn't a dream. I don't. I feel strongly that it was not a dream, but it was certainly dreamlike. There was a weird clarity. There was a weird quietness to it. There was this sort of head in the fishbowl quality to it. Um, I have since talked to many. This was this this, I couldn't, I didn't have any place for this memory, this experience. I I could not place this. I just like, so nope, not going to deal with this. This was a dream. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not going there. And, but since then, I have talked to so many other UFO witnesses or witnesses that have had close-up sightings. I talked to one woman and, she described seeing a UFO from a car. She was like on the LA on a street in LA and a flying saucer flew over her car and got right above her. And she has some distorted time stuff with that with that event. And she said to me, She said, You know, when you have two magnets and you try to push them together, they go click and you pull them apart and you switch one halfway and then you try to push them together, they won't they won't mm-hmm. they'll sort of push against each other. There's this kind of right. warbly sort of energy where they She said being that close to the UFO, that flying saucer, was like being in between the two magnets in that warbly weird energy. And when she said that, it was like, she knows. She knows. That's exactly what it felt like. Like that was the that's the best description I've ever had of that of that sensation. Within the literature, that's often referred to as the Oz factor. It's not that the not that the scene is quiet, it's that it's too quiet. It's like all it's like all the sound is sucked out. So so I was seeing that out my window. I had this distorted sense of reality. And I have felt that a few more times in other experiences, but that to me was the, was the part I couldn't dismiss. I could dismiss it as a dream. I don't really dream that I'm in my own bedroom, right? I don't dream that I sit up in my own bed. I'm always in some other place in my dreams. But that night I, I felt like I sat up in bed. I saw that out the window. It probably lasted 20 seconds. And then I heard the voice in my head that said, now is the time to put on your put your head on the pillow and shut down. And and the next morning, I never even bothered to go out and look if there were footprints in the snow.
0: And after this, is that when you, did you do a sketch of this the next day? Or did you say, like you I, said, did did you try quick, to put did it out of your mind? I did a quick
1: sketch of this within um, a year or so. Uh-huh. And, and then I did a, a more formal sketch. I think I did that formal sketch in around 2008. That one there. So
0: you initially, you just tried to dismiss this dream as just a dream, something that wasn't real. I
1: was I wasn't going there.
0: Until you actually heard other accounts of it and you thought, oh, maybe I should revisit this dream. Maybe it was something that happened.
1: Until I started looking into my own experiences. So after that experience in the mountains with Kristen, I saw a real owl. I heard a voice in my head that said, this has something to do with UFOs, a message. Right? So I got a message from who knows where it was from. could have been from my unconscious. could have been from the owls. It could have been who knows. But mm-hmm. I definitely saw real owls and in my head heard the booming words, this has something to do with UFOs. And I, in 2006, really started looking into this stuff. So it would have been after 2006, after that event in the mountains with Kristen, or those two events, that I started looking into these experiences and started um, really... Taking it seriously and looking into my own experiences, like now, the question is, am I an abductee, right? Given that, given these kind of experiences, right? This is in an abductee is that that's a that's a that's a lousy term, right? That's the term we're stuck with. That's an mm-hmm. X Files term. Um, and what I found in in the last, you know, what is it, 14, 15 years of research? Much of it feels like full time research. Is that that's really common? That there's this. There's this elusive quality to it. Very, very. There are some people who have like concrete memories. Boom, I remember this event.
0: Right, like Travis Walton's. I'm oh sure yeah, I've met Travis yeah, Walton. Yeah, story. You yeah. met him many times. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: So he's a very nice guy. He's from the west. I was living out west. He's a he's a westerner. There's like a kind of stoic, quiet, soft spoken mm. quality to the guy. He's not the kind of guy that exaggerates.
0: Right. Yeah. So and here he recounts uh, everything up to the point of waking up on a table seeing these beings in there uh, seeing like actual human-looking yep. things in there and then after that wakes up on the side of a road. He was gone for 5 days
1: and he has like 15 minutes of memory. I'm I'm I i am i it's been a long time since I've read the
0: book. So, did he have any experiences with owls when you talk to him?
1: I got to be careful what I say cuz some stuff he's told me He's, he said,
0: he'll never listen to this. Don't worry.
1: (laughs) No, but I want to be careful what I say. So, you know what he he was, I was in a group of people when he told me this, Mm. he, he said, now this doesn't mean much, but he said his son as a little baby, as a little child, they had a a big macrame kind of embroidered owl in the hallway. Really? And he said his son was terrified of that owl, that, that embroidered owl. So like kind of a simplistic image of a, of a bird with big black eyes. And so that's not much to go on. But he he was he was kind of like, he told me that, and and he you could tell he was, you know the wheels were turning in his head.
0: That was his only Al experience that was that's, unusual. That's that the he only told thing you. he shared with
1: me. Yeah, and he's very tight lipped. He'll say, like people ask him at conferences, like, have you ever had any other experiences? And he'll say, if I had another experience, I would tell no one. Basically, telling one experience ruined my life. It's, mm. it's, is where he's coming from
0: ruined his life in the 70s and 80s and 90s, but now it's becoming some sort of a more accepted thing in, in modern culture. I mean, it's a thing that every news channel, every blog website wants to talk about because you know now it's profitable. Now it draws attention and draws clicks and
1: yeah. And but it he's he if he, given the choice he never would have chose this right this in his life.
0: Have you? Have you heard his story about how he told he tells how he w- wakes up in the middle of the night out of nowhere and he's running full speed down his hallway to his kid's room and he says his kid is on a top bunk. Oh no! And I he's, he's uh, his kid is like they have the rails in the top bunk that sort of like keep you from mm-hmm. falling off. The kid had, his son had slipped off and he had his neck wedged between the railing and uh, I guess he like grabbed him and and pulled him out and if he would have stayed there for another thirty seconds he would have been dead. So, so, this so is, he has all these crazy little. He has multiple similar experiences. I've heard him talk about like that, that he can't explain.
1: So so, MUFON is a very dry. What we in the in the, the litter in the research community, there's like nuts and bolts researchers. That's MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. It's an organization of UFO right. researchers. They are very nuts and bolts. And on the other end of the spectrum is this kind of consciousness, love and light thing. And they do not mix these two worlds. Now. The very conservative MUFON mm-hmm. has a checklist. We go to you go to a UFO witness's house. It's very this kind of stuff. What time? What day? Which direction was it going? Can you draw a picture of it? Did you know? It's very scientific. Very well, yeah. It's very analytical. And in that checklist, they say, "Ask the witness. Have you had any? Has your psychic abilities changed since your wit, since your sighting?" <laughs> this is like the dry people. This is like, and then you know, like the people who like. Ain't going there. They're not going to, and it's right in there in the checklist. Is any, have you developed any psychic abilities? And then also, has it, has your spirituality or religious, have your have you changed your spirituality or religion since the event? And this, that's, so those questions are kind of at the core of my research and they're at the, at the, just a tiny little sliver at, in the, in the mainstream mm. UFO witness. I would love to talk to those guys that saw the stuff off the aircraft carrier and you know off the california coast and say like have you had any like any psychic abilities what's going on weird synchronicities like
0: why do they ask why do these nuts and bolts type researchers ask them about psychic psychic experiences because you don't that can kind of weed people out be like oh this person's a psychic believer this person's we can dismiss them now
1: i think it's just the opposite i think what they're seeing is a pattern you talk to these people and they'll they'll they want to tuck your ear off. Someone's taking them seriously. A UFO <clears throat> researcher comes to your house and tells you that you get, you're allowed to tell your story without being ridiculed, right? So mm-hmm. that's so they'll say like and all this weird stuff has happened since my sighting. I've had psychic experiences. So these are this is what's common. After a sighting, this isn't this isn't aliens in the house. This is just seeing a UFO off in the distance. Your psychic ability increases. I'm generalizing greatly. It doesn't obviously doesn't happen 100% of the time, but this is uh, consistently reported stuff your psychic abilities increase your spirituality will change and you will often be plagued with synchronicities like meaningful coincidences and then um uh, poltergeist activity in the house so how are like little aliens in a metal spaceship making poltergeist activity in the house happen you know something else is going on that takes it out of the realm of you know, aliens from another galaxy visiting us on their metal spaceship, and puts it more into the realm of these myth makers, this ancient lore of, of something from that other realm interacting with us.
0: What, what do you think it is? Why do you think that people who have these UFO experiences, who who have witnessed, who think, that, who believe they have witnessed UFOs, what what do you think it is that keeps them having these experiences or different kinds of experiences? What? you think it sort of just like opens up something in their mind where now they're just always looking for weird shit?
1: Possibly. Yeah. So possibly that's one of the problems with the UFO community is because once you've seen the stuff and once you've seen the weird shit, like you're open to everything. And like, let me tell you, like you're, it's like, you got to be careful how open that door gets. Cause there's a lot of people within the UFO community who are primed. To like believe in conspiracy stuff and some of the nuttier, right. like fringier stuff that like I'm looking for conspiracies. I'm looking for the weird stuff, mm. and I have to be really careful not to get dragged down these blind alleys. So yeah, it's, it, it, it turns a people can get very vulnerable after these events. Mm. You know, to cult leaders, to to um, like losing their critical thought. Right. And I have I have done my very best like to. Like, I try to present myself as a credible person telling an incredible story, or telling someone else, oftentimes, other people's stories. So I I feel like I'm, hopefully, remain credible in the way I present the stuff, but I am presenting things that are incredible and oftentimes beyond belief. Now, um, your question was, uh, you know, why are they open to the psychic phenomena, or...?
0: Uh, well, the, the psychic question regarding the, uh, the UFO researchers talking to these people. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, asking about psychic abilities or yeah. psychic phenomena. To me, that kind of my first reaction to hearing that is like, okay, let's see if this person believes in psychics. Let's see if they believe they, they have psychic abilities. Or let's that, that could be on par with saying, okay, when's the last time you saw Bigfoot? you know okay now we can just dismiss this fucker because he's you know he just believes that he's some chosen UFO abductee and you know he's going to believe in every conspiracy that we put in front of him
1: i think it came the other way around i don't think they're trying to weed people out i think it's a legitimate question because what happens is you talk to these people the witnesses and they will say this weird thing happened like I, my my psychic like i my psychic abilities like i feel like i have become I've ha- I now have ESP since seeing the UFO. Um, oftentimes people don't know how to control it, and and it's just fleeting little things. that Can have you give been me an
0: example of some sort of psychic ability like this? Um, like what, what would you consider psychic a psychic ability? Okay,
1: so here's a story. This woman, this has an owl in it. There's a woman, her name is Maria Wheatley. She's a crop circle researcher in uh, England. And she was with a friend, and they were going to go hike up to the top of a hilltop. The hilltop is called Oliver's Castle. Sometimes the hilltops are called castle. That's Mm -hmm. what they call the hills there. So she uh, is going to walk up up to the hilltop, and there's a path, excuse me, there's a path in the woods that goes to the tailtop. And as they walk down the path, this owl, a white barn owl, flies right in front of them, and both get the exact same sensation, the exact same feeling. They say, oh, we're not allowed in the woods. Like, it's barring our way. So they turned around, and then they walked up a different way, you know, through the meadows and stuff like that, but not up through the forest and the trails. They get to the top of the hill, and they look off in the distance and there's this orange floating orb out in the distance. And like, what is that thing? And then it and then it gets closer and it grows big and it grows into this big size of a giant cigar and it's coming towards them and then it ship, shrinks and disappears.
2: Hmm.
1: So they don't see a metal spaceship, they see this orange disruption of light. Mm-hmm. Right? So they run back to their car. She said he was shaking so hard he couldn't get his car keys in the in the car door. And afterwards, now beyond just doing um, uh, the the Crop research Maria Wheatley also does uh, tarot reading where she'll you know read uh, divination with a tarot deck mm-hmm. she said her ability to do tarot readings increased exponentially she said it got really high and then it tapered down a little bit but she is now she feels she is she is much more mystically in tune with doing tarot readings than she was before seeing the orange orb in the sky mm-hmm. the guy claims to have gone to the bar to the pub and he could read everyone's mind in the bar (laughs) could see what everyone was thinking and it freaked him out it was not a good thing like he freaked out and that eventually eased off and so uh, this if you ask the questions these are the stories that emerge from these these kind of accounts, these See, mystical, strange stuff.
0: My my problem with the whole psychic thing and the tarot cards is, is that my experience with these psychic type people is that is that most of them, are, 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 at least in my experience, they're full of shit, and they're hustlers.
1: Some of them are absolutely. And and
0: they, and, and whenever I hear that kind of stuff, I kind of start. I kind of it just in, inclines me to dismiss whatever is going on around it because I, they're for the most part, you know you'll get probing questions or they'll sort of guess about things mm-hmm. based on your appearance or your life or whatever. And they'll keep going that going down that way by sending probing questions. Don't you get, <clears throat> I mean, don't you ever get the sense that some of these people that are reaching out to you, they just, that they're familiar with your research. They're familiar with your story. So they know if they come up with something that's similar to what your, to what your mm-hmm. expertise is and what you've been studying for 15 years, that, you know, it's kind of like the same thing. They're just kind of trying to mirror your story, or trying to come up with. There's mm-hmm. no, there's mm-hmm. no real hard proof of any of this stuff. It's just hearsay, right?
1: Well, there's multiple witness cases, right? So two people see something at the same time. Both people mm-hmm. have to be lying in that, in those situations,
0: right? But when it comes to psychic abilities, you can't really. Sure, you prove. can test those.
1: Oh yeah, you can prove those. You can
0: test those. How could you prove that?
1: You just do a laboratory experiment. Talk to Dean Radin. There's a uh, researcher out of California, Dean Radin. He's written a bunch of books. He he worked for um, Bell Labs, I think, and he worked on some of the uh, SRI, which is uh, the remote viewing that the government did. I think he was slightly involved with that. Yeah, so th- it can be you can study that. It's not a hundred percent. It's difficult to study, but you can you can there's a um, there's a you can get results through scientific measures it's it 's totally ignored within the sciences except the people that are doing this are coming up with consistent
0: results yeah what did he find out about sRI
1: uh, i can 't remember what the, the acronym is uh, I, he was involved with um, there's a, a he 's involved with an organization called ions which is Institute for noetic sciences which is was was broke away i think from sRI mm-hmm. and that was studi- that was started by uh, the astronaut Edgar Mitchell who was one of the fellows who walked on the moon mm. and when he came back from From the moon, he his job was to like land the craft on the moon, right? And so after he's after he did that and like they're flying home, his job was done, so he didn't have to do anything. So all that he could do is just look out the window. You know, you're like looking out the window for a week, and this you're out in space. And he said he had like what amounted to a mystical experience. He's he's a um, he's a physicist from MIT. And He had this magical, mystical, blissful experience, like looking out into the heavens, which makes sense, right right, yeah, of yeah, course, so, you're riding through
0: outer space, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: so he has a, so and he he came back and he said, like, you know, he talked to some people and said, "Look this up, I had this mystical experience, He tried to describe it, and these people came back and said it's called it the, the closest thing we can find is a, called a Samadhi experience, which is a feeling of oneness with the magic of all. I'm mm. paraphrasing that poorly right. and he said, oh okay, well that's that's what 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 um." That's what I had, so that's what I'll call it. And so he started this organization that studies that. and Dean Radin is involved in that organization.
0: Hmm. So, in your- and I,
1: I'm not a scientist, so right. I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm a journalist more than a scientist, right. right? So I'm not trying to prove or disprove anything. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to 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 collect enough stories to to back up my the hypothesis that was in a way thrust into my lap.
0: Out of all these stories, these these owl stories and these UFO stories. How many of them have like video or, photo- or photos of these things happening? Like photos of, of a craft or a light or a being or a giant owl? So you mentioned like four foot tall owls.
1: Okay, I got no pictures of four foot tall owls. Okay, so, so, the, so I got a lot of pictures of owls. People get, send me pictures of owls all the time. Right, so the close-up. I'll like people will say I've had UFO contact, and i landed on my back porch. Here's the picture. It's an owl. It looks like an owl on the mm-hmm. back porch. The story is what more important is what more important to me. And people will say like I was called to get my camera and go outside and take a picture in the dark of the roof, and they do, and there's an owl in the picture. So, you know, I, I'm cataloging those kinds of stories, and I'm trying not to weight them too much, right? Because some of them are pretty like, loose, you know? and right. But at the same time, you, you see a pattern, you see that same story emerging. Now, your question was, um, like, how, I, so I don't have any, you know what I do have? I have an audio. There's a woman, her name is um, Lindy Tucker, and she saw a flying craft, a flying saucer, in her yard in Canada, um, Orton, Ontario, and this would have been the 1970s, and she had a, audio recording. She recorded the audio of this craft, and the craft made this beeping noise. The craft doesn't sound like anything. It sounds like beep, 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 beep. Not that interesting, right? But along with that noise, there's a hooting of an owl in the background. So, Hmm. like, there's, that's like, for me, that was like gold for a little, like, oh my god, there's an owl and a UFO. Now, what has since happened is she has collected other people who have recorded UFOs. And they, they make this beep, 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 noise. Now, that was, there was a point in the 70s when that noise was kind of being reported. That has tapered off. Not many people are reporting that steady beeping noise anymore. But she collected, I can't remember what it was, <clears throat> multiple audio recordings of flying saucers, and they all made this completely, it sounds like a truck backing up. It's not that interesting. But given the, 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 the witness testimony, taking that into account if it's to be believed and nobody is i mean yes there's certainly people out there hoaxing there's certainly people out there stretching the truth but um i'm looking for the pattern in the in the overall stories
0: Mm. yeah it's just like it's hard it's hard to create a pattern when everyone's aware of all of the information that you're getting because you're publishing it all Right. So, so all, not the, all of it,
1: but yeah, not but, all,
0: but a lot of it. Right. So, yeah. so the people that are sending you these stories, they're, they're able to go and read through all your blog posts about hundred. I mean, how many stories have you published on your blog post about owls and UFOs?
1: Many hundreds. Yeah.
0: So, so they they, they have access to these. So it's, it's kind of like,
1: but it's like, yeah, I don't, I, I see where you're going with this, but my sense strongly is that people are contacting me for another reason. They're contacting me. So like you have a conversation with someone, they're like, I need to talk to you. Like I had this experience. Like I'm ther- I'm playing the role of a therapist. I'm not a therapist, but I'm playing the role of it because these people are freaked out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're they're not looking for any fame, they're not looking for any money. They want to be they want to have a pseudonym if they're ever if I document this stuff in a book. Um, these people are not at peace. This is they are freaked out by their experiences. They're asking me for help. They're saying, like, have you ever heard of anything like this happening? I'm like, Yeah, it's actually what you've described is very common.
2: Mm.
1: So so I'm, I'm not looking for proof in a way. I'm, I'm hoping to offer some solace to the people who are having these experiences.
0: Now you talk to you talk about a psychic who you talked to. Her name was Anya Briggs. Yes. Can you explain who Anya Briggs is and explain what your experience was with her?
1: Which 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 experience you've you,
0: There was something about gray aliens. She saw or she saw aliens dancing around you or something like that. In, in your book, you talked about you talked about she said she could see aliens around you when she was looking at you.
1: Oh, oh okay, yeah. So she's psychic. This is something <clears throat> now, like I don't take this as concrete proof that there's aliens. She said there – I don't think she – did she say dancing? She may have. She,
0: I don't know if it was dancing, but she said yeah. she saw them around you. Okay,
1: yeah. So she – this has happened to me more than once where I've talked to people who – so in these waters, like I end up bumping into I, – I did one radio interview and the guy – I said, well, you know, you talk to a shaman, and they'll tell you stories about owls. And they're like, who, shaman, who talks to a shaman? And I'm like, you write a book about owls. you shamans come and find you. You'll start mm-hmm. talking to shamans. So, so I'm like, because of the book and because of the researcher, I'm I'm interacting. I'm talking with people who are psychic, who claim to be psychic. And one of the things that I've had more than one person say, they kind of look at me, and they've actually, I've had one person kind of look over my shoulder and kind of go, like, there's this. There's, I say, like, alien energy around you. Gray alien energy. Now, I, I don't see it. I don't sense it. But that's the kind of feedback I'm getting. I don't weight that too, too much. But I do, I am curious of the patterns.
0: Well, and uh, I'm interested, why is it always gray alien energy? It's not. It's not. There's, what is a gray, like, what is the difference between, a, like, are there any other color aliens? Or are they all gray?
1: No. So, if you look, so this is, this is coming from a wealth of research. Okay. So, about and I'm making these numbers up, but let's say of the pool of data, you have got 100 UFO reports mm-hmm. where people interact with the beings. 50% or so will be gray aliens. The gray, typical gray aliens that showed up on the X-Files that come out of the mothership at the end of... of skinny uh, humanoids skinny giant Skinny humanoids, and- big heads, bald heads, big black eyes, big penetrating black eyes, um, spindly long fingers, about three and a half to four feet tall.
2: Hmm.
1: After that, people will report um, humans, total humans, except tall and somewhat I've oftentimes reported as being like seven foot tall and beautiful, like superheroes, basically. And um, reptilians, like giant reptiles, which is not uncommon in the research. I'm only saying what I'm what's reported, so I haven't seen any of these things. And then, uh, giant praying mantises. And then there's a bunch of other things like robots or or light beings or balls of light and things like that. So yeah, it's the 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 data that's out there, and it's it's there's a lot of it. There's a wealth of data. Like people, serious researchers are collecting this data. And the problem is, like, how do you? Someone says, you know, I saw a giant praying mantis. How do you? How do you? Like, I mean, just, I mean, yes, it's an, it's an incredible story. It's a story beyond belief, but you hear that story a hundred times and, and you have to take it seriously.
0: Have you heard of the story? I'm sure you have, um, the Zimbabwe UFO encounter where the beings came out of the ship and talked to the little kids. Yep. Have you talked to any of those people?
1: I, I am. Uh, I have interacted through messaging and emails with a woman named Emily Trim. And she is one of the little girls. She was a, that, that there's a documentary or uh, there's some footage that was done by a documentary film crew at the time with Dr. John Mack. Now, Dr. John Mack, who went down there was the chair of the psychiatry department. He was a doctor of psychiatry for Harvard. So he's like, he's a credible researcher. So he went to Zimbabwe to talk to these kids. And the kids weren't, they hadn't read any literature, they weren't opened and predisposed to or weren't influenced by, uh, you know, science fiction movies and things like that rural place in Zimbabwe uh, in the early 1990s or mid 1990s. So yeah, so those kids were reporting one of the things that they were reporting was telepathic communication. The The beings were talking to them, their mouths didn't move, they, they were hearing the voices in their head. That is Consistent near one hundred percent,
0: and the 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 message that they were getting was technology is bad. Technology is going to destroy you. Something to that effect.
1: I think it's a little more nuanced than that. And this is a this is a message that is kind of been boiled down from other reports too. Is that your technology has surpassed your spirituality, and you are in a dangerous place. That your that you are you are like you are incapable of dealing with the the technology you have in you're in a dangerous place and you could ruin life on earth.
0: So your technology has surpassed your spirituality. So
1: if you were spiritual, if we were like enlightened beings, let's say, right? So like if the Buddha was all of a sudden given, you know, free reign to run, you know, Google, Hmm. I'm sure he would make very different decisions than, than the bottom line of the, of the, you know, what the, you know, what the stockholders would want at the end of each year. So he would make decisions, you know, so, you know, we've got nuclear bombs, we've got poison gas, we've got all this horrible stuff, mm. and we are, we are a, 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 a Territorial, a territorial oh,
0: with uh, thermonuclear weapons. Exactly,
1: yeah. So we're, we're, if, you don't need to, like, you can just look at the headlines of the newspaper and realize, like, we're quite capable of, of wreaking terrible havoc on this planet.
0: mm have you heard uh, Robert Hastings' book UFO and Nukes? Yep, that's pretty incredible account. Those pretty incredible accounts of the officers that work on those nuclear bases that all see UFOs hovering around the missile silos.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, I'm, you want? I'm are you? I'm prepared to go deep with this. Let's go deep. Robert Hastings has come forward, and he's he wrote that book in the. I guess that would have come out about 2009 or so. That UFO is a nukes book. And he made a big splash. He did all kinds of press conferences. There's wonderful footage, very, very credible witnesses telling these stories in a a very stoic, dry manner. Robert Hastings has recently come forward, and he's a UFO abductee. The guy in the Minot missile base, the guy with his finger on the key that could have turned the thing, When the, when this was in the
0: 60s. Which missile base is this?
1: Minot. I think this is Minot in in Missouri. Missouri. Excuse me. um, Montana. Mm. Uh, He has also, one of the fellows that was in the, he's written his own book. I want to say his name is Robert Salas. Salas. Robert Salas with an S at the end. And he has written his own book where he has come forward with his own UFO contact experiences. So there's the guy with his finger on the button, says, I've had UFO contact. He's, he's an old man now. He's like mm-hmm. come forward with it grudgingly, but basically he felt he had to. Robert Hastings, the author of the book UFOs and Nukes, very credible research, very grounded not like me at all. Very nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. He has come h- forward with UFO contact. When did he come forward with that information? It came out about two years ago, and I can't remember the name of the book. Um, it would be right there on Amazon. Him and another fellow both came forward in their books. In that one fellow was a worked at MUFON, and he talked about his UFO contact experiences. Another very dry UFO researcher.
0: And what did Robert Hastings have to say? Well, how did he come to the conclusion that he was an abductee? I haven't read the book, so I'm going to okay. be very
1: cautious on that. So
0: okay. Um, out of all the people that you've talked to who claim, what is the difference between uh, somebody who is that you assume or you claim to be an abductee or someone who has been contacted? Don't you don't you indicate a difference between someone who you consider an abductee and someone who has just been contacted or has just come in contact with the mm-hmm. UFO?
1: So within the community, people, some people don't like the term abductee. It right, implies that like it's a crime, you abduct someone, that's a crime, right mm. So but people are taken against their will, oftentimes taken on board a craft if these stories are be believed, and those people will consider themselves abductees or victims, they've been traumatized. Other people go along willingly, and that you know, I've talked to people and one woman I know driving through Canada all kinds of weird experiences as she's driving of flying saucers land in the road, everyone in the car, suddenly asleep. She's alone. She's like the only person awake in the car. And these human looking beings say, come on the craft with us. And she goes on board the craft and, and it changed her life. She changed her spirituality and she changed her psychic stuff. So, so the people who go along, uh, willingly, let's say, Those people are, in the literature, referred to as experiencers. And that was a term that was coined, I don't necessarily think he coined it, but he certainly brought it to the forefront. That's the term that the Harvard uh, professor, Dr. John Mack, used, was experiencer to describe these people. And, excuse me, um, not experiencer, uh, um, contactee. Okay. So, Excuse me, the people who go along willingly are contactees, the... People who feel that they've been taken against their will often go by the term abductee. And the people in the middle, sort of a more uh, a broad spectrum that covers both ends, are considered experiencers. Sorry, I got a little ahead of myself there.
0: Okay. D- Dr. John Mack, he's the same guy who interviewed the kids in yes. Zimbabwe, yeah. right? Yep. Um, and those kids will be considered contactees?
1: Well, they didn't get taken as if, we're, if, we're, if we're... Well, actually... Depending on the what people share, that's hard to say. I would say experiencer would probably be the better word because I don't actually know the stories. So there's like right. sixty kids. I don't know each individual story. Yeah, none of them got story.
0: taken. There's only a couple that got close within like a couple feet of the, of the beings they claimed.
1: Yeah. And uh, those kids were frightened, and and traumatized.
0: Right. Now, did the, any of those kids? You t- you said you. You talked to, who did you talk to?
1: A woman named Emily Trim. Emily Trim. She's an adult now and she's um, uh, doing artwork. She lives in Canada now. And, um, but she sees it as something very traumatic. She's felt it was very disruptive to her life.
0: Now, has her life since then been filled with any sort of strange coincidences or synchronicities or any strange owl encounters?
1: Um, I want to be very careful what I say because I, I haven't talked to her specifically about that. Okay. So, but I know she, she does a lot of artwork and she credits her creativity to some degree to the, to the contact experience. Okay.
0: Now, so, so you're, what you claim in your book, what, what is the reason for, in your view, what is the reason for these owls showing up in connection with UFOs? Like what is the, what is the connection between the owls and these tiny scientists in these UFO sh- saucers—they
1: so they might not be tiny tiny scientists in the saucers. They might be doing some other role, but they're they're uh, the connection. Okay, so there's a term archetype, which means that somehow within our like uh, uh, Plato originally used the archetype, and then the term archetype, and then Freud, excuse me, then Carl Jung mm-hmm. uh, used the term archetype uh, in more modern research. And they both are implying that there's a, um, a, something in the human psyche, in the collective consciousness, that we have an embedded knowing about certain things. Like, for instance, um, uh, uh, Luke Skywalker is the archetype of the hero, right so you go to see star wars you watch a movie with uh you know luke skywalker flying mm-hmm. his you know f- his fighter spacecraft and with his lightsaber and everything like that you're seeing a movie an adventure movie but underneath it all you are you are seeing the archetype of the of the hero right so and we we know that we can tap into that and i would argue that we can tap into the archetype of the owl like i talk to a lot of people who see owls and they Almost no one says, "Oh, I saw an owl." They, people will come to you and say, "Like, I saw this owl." It might did nothing at all. It might have been on a fence, and they said it was so powerful, like it was so striking to see an owl up close. So, along with that, um,
0: well, culturally they're just they're just tied with like sp- spooky spookiness or, or and have horror, been, yeah. or
1: And that goes right into the Bible. There's there's parts where owls are mentioned in the Bible, and it sounds just like if it was like a a, a spooky movie. They they show up in places where they are like a set piece. When within the Bible, they're talking about like a, the wasteland, the barren, the desert. You know, this uh, these lonely, spooky places. Mm-hmm. And They'll say there were owls there. So that's exactly right. That has been within our psyche for forever. So, but if there is a deeper meaning. Now, I'm going way out on a limb with these ideas here, but if there's a deeper meaning within the owl that we can tap it into subconsciously, and they arrive at the moment of UFO contact. So here's, this is totally, what's normal is, I get stories like this all the time. Walking through the woods, I looked up, I saw an owl. The next thing I knew, a flying saucer passes right over me. That's very common. So the owl, they're seeing a real owl. And it is showing up in the context of uh of a, uh, of a UFO contact or a UFO sighting. Mm-hmm. So, is it a punctuation mark? Is it like an explanation? Is exclamation point within the narrative of the real of their reality? Does that make sense? Like if the owl is showing up for some reason, if only so the so the person pays attention more. That is so. So you ask like why owls? The simplest thing I could say why owls is to pay attention. It's like a symbol to pay attention. Another thing I say it's an alarm clock. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's a ringing bell, like forcing you to pay attention, forcing you to wake up.
0: So what, what does that have to do with if it's a real owl versus, I mean, how could it not be a real owl? Okay. So, so you, so you were a little
1: bit ago, you asked about the four foot tall owls, right? So here's, this is, there's two avenues of, of this, of the owl sighting. One avenue is a real owl and what is very commonly reported. And I get this a lot. Here, I'll tell a little story. This guy at a UFO conference, uh, people in a group, they sit in a circle like a, like an uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and they talk about, like, they talk about, like, I you know, hello, my name is Joe, and I think I've been abducted by aliens. It's basically mm-hmm. the vibe of it. Ooh, I'll you want some a coffee? Bit. Yeah, just a little bit at the bottom of okay. that. Uh, great. It's strong. Uh, good. and uh, So, perfect. And then, so, um, they, you know, they tell their stories. They tell their experiences. And I was in this once, and this was at a UFO conference where there's a big, uh, like people go to UFO conferences and people who have had the contact experiences will show up at the conference and then they will often have a support group meeting at night. It's closed to uh, reporters and things like that. So there's a guy sitting off in the corner the whole time and he's kind of like this the whole time. And he, 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 at the end of the meeting, he kind of raises his hand. So listen, I have to ask people in the room, has anyone here ever had any odd experiences with owls? And this guy, like, almost fell out of his chair when everyone rose their hand, including me. And he was just like, so he told a story. So this is the story that shows up a lot. He's driving down the road at night, and he's, he sees this big owl on the side of the road. It's like four foot tall. And he goes right up to it, and he rolls his window down. He looks right at it. It's right next to his driver's side window. And he looks at this big four-foot-tall owl, and he gets a really bad feeling, and he drives home. Later, he's a photographer. Later he goes into the woods and he you know that he knows there's an owl's nest in a tree, so he's taking pictures of this owls, and he's looking at the owls, and he says, I don't think that was an owl I saw on the side of the road. So he went through hypnotic regression to try to figure out what he actually saw. And he said that nothing really emerged in the hypnosis session except that he has a memory, a vague memory of the owl wearing boots. Okay, so there's no nothing proof here. But what is what is commonly reported is this tall four foot tall owl and
0: commonly reported commonly reported what is that can you give me numbers what is common i, I wish i knew so so i don't like I, what I, percentage of your stories are four foot tall owls
1: 25 percent wow maybe 50 percent. less than 50 more than 25 somewhere in there okay so uh so here's another story. So, so the implication is that the gray alien is using some sort of psychic impression to, to distort the observer's mind. He's, I'm, this is so common in the literature. And so, uh, there's a, um, and I've heard it many times. You can listen to the hypnosis transcripts or the hypnosis recordings where, uh, someone will say like, Oh, I saw four foot all on the road. And then the hypnotherapist says, describe the owl. Well, it's bald, it's got big black eyes, it's skinny, it's wearing a shiny uniform, it's got long fingers, and I don't think that's an owl. It's very commonly reported that at the end of a UFO contact experience, the beings, oftentimes the gray aliens, will kind of say, you will remember us as owls. Now, it's not just, so this is, in the, in the literature, this is called a screen memory. So there's a screen somehow that they use either technology or psychic means to distort what the what the witness is seeing now it's not just owls it's it's um mm. deer owls, and deer are at the top of the list. People see deer under odd circumstances um and then uh then after that it's cats, raccoons, squirrels clowns is very commonly reported Jesus gets reported every once in a while as far as showing up as a screen memory so so somehow are they are they like how are they tapping into the mind of the observer I cannot even begin to imagine if it's technology or psychic means so here's another story that um, that is on the screen memory aspect there's a woman I know, I know her well I trust her she was working at a girls school for kids she was like 19 years old a summer camp And there was like buildings and she walked from one building to the other and she had to kind of walk through a trail. So she wasn't like deep in the woods or anything. She was just like between two buildings. And she could hear kids, the girls playing in the background. And she turns a corner and there's a gray alien standing by the side of the trail. And she looks at the gray alien and it looks at her and she hears this like sort of echoing, reverberating voice in her head that says, owl, 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 owl. And she watches this being turn into an owl, like morph into an owl turn around and run into the woods so i got a couple stories like that one with deer so i'm just saying i all i can do is report what what people tell me right so the but you hear you hear your 500th story of someone seeing a four-foot tall owl on the side of the road while driving at night yeah
0: that's gonna drive you crazy right
1: well no i mean so 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 there's two avenues of research one is the screen memory Mm. right so if, if you take that like okay so so I don't want to say it's solved, right? So, like, so four, there's no four-foot-tall owls. Like, a two-and-a-half-foot-tall owl is about as big as they're going to get any owl in the world. I mean, that's a big owl, two-and-a-half foot tall. Three-foot-tall owl is you're right on the line of like, maybe, but four-foot-tall, no way. And so, I mean, this is what people that people talk about driving up to an owl and it's standing in the road, it's looking over the roof of their truck,
0: and then. It doesn't make sense, too. Like, if, if you're an alien from another dimension or from another, uni- another galaxy, why would you just be standing in the middle of a, a fucking road?
1: Okay, so let's th- think about this. So if you are an alien from some other realm and you, you want to abduct someone, and if you show up as an alien standing in the middle of the road, they're going to freak out, right? So if you show up as something familiar, that wouldn't be that unusual, an owl. Then, then okay oh well, there's an owl on the side of the road hmm. you know so a, a deer on the side of the road it gets a little it. murky when Jesus shows up but <laughs> right so uh but but so so they are so the implication is they are using an animal that wouldn't be unusual to see and that um and that that they are using some sort of screen memory some sort of induced hypnosis let's say to get into the mind of the observer and, and mess with it in a way that makes them think they're seeing an owl when it when in fact it's a gray alien standing in front of them now once like i get i cover that very early on in my first book the screen memory aspect mm-hmm. and then i my, i'm much more interested in the people who are seeing real owls i think that's much more fascinating to me it's much more mysterious to me
0: and it's i feel like it taints your research when you go to a UFO conference and start asking people about owls because everyone's going to want to talk about, yeah, it's connected to aliens or whatever. I feel like if you go outside of people who are interested in UFOs, just regular people and ask them about owls. Have you ever done that? Just like sure. casually asking, asking people if they've had any odd experience with owls. Oh, yeah, and then, all the time. Really? Yeah. And owls are such weird, weird animals. Like, have you seen, I'm sure you've seen the videos of people on YouTube who have them as pets. And they just like they like hang out with them. They like pet them, and they like they like chew on their finger a little bit. They're very, very, just like it's mind bending the way they move and their 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 aura that they have. There was a funny, there was a hilarious YouTube comment on a video. Somebody said owls, uh, they're animals. They have uh, bird hardware with cat software.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So they can. Yeah, yeah. So so unlike other birds. Most birds are sort of twitchy and nervous looking. They're, you know, owls are not because so human, excuse me. They're not
0: scared. They're, 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 they're not twitchy and, and kind of like jittery like normal birds are like even a parakeet or, or a, a parrot or something or a, or a seagull. They're, they're just, they're, what's crazy about owls is that they're, they're like one of the top predatory birds there are like, like owls kill hawks. Yeah.
1: So, owls have specialized eyes to see in the dark, obviously. They hunt in the dark. They fly in the dark. They can fly through the forest in almost complete darkness, right? They, because of that, their their eyes are really big. Their eyes collectively are bigger than their brains. And then they also, their eyes are not shaped like a, um, they're shaped more like a tube rather than a circle. So, we have circular eyeballs. They're a ball. So, we can look back and forth. Owls can't do that. Their eyes are locked straight ahead. They Mm. cannot turn their eyes side to side like any other bird could, right? And because their eyes eyes are locked forward, that's why they have that really weird robotic head motion Mm. because they use that. So an owl, and they also have very good, they have wonderful night vision. They also have very, very good hearing. So they can fly at night in the forest through the trees near complete darkness And they can listen. Their feathers are specially designed so they're very quiet. And they, so they don't make any noise when they fly. So they can look down and hear the sound of a mouse on the ground while in flight. And that's how they hunt.
0: Right. Are there any other, are there any other birds or animals that have eyes like that that are long and locked in place?
1: There, I'm I would be, I I can't answer that. I don't think there are any other birds. I think it's only the owls that have the the night vision hardware. That's wild. So, and, um, so they, uh, yeah, so owls are, so they, um, they did some scientific testing. They put in, they had a totally dark, they took a barn, they made it totally light tight, zero available light, and then they could control the amount of light. So they put light in that would be, to our eyes, undetectable lower than we could see. And then they put an owl up in the rafter and then they, have, they let mice go in the, in, the, in the bottom of the barn. And they said they had better results when they put like forest duff on the ground. So the, the mice were like walking and making the little crunchy noise like as if they were walking across leaves and grass and stuff. So they'd let a mouse go and the owl, in almost near darkness, would get the mouse 100% of the time. When they turned it to total darkness... The owl only using its ears, can't see anything. Would get the mouse seventy five percent of the time. That's roughly the data. Wow! So they are. You don't stand much of a chance if you're a little mouse in the woods at night. So.
0: Do you think that the owls have the ability to see, ha, see into like another dimension?
1: Isn't that the question? I have no idea. I would love that to. I would. That's a great avenue of speculation, and I had fun speculating about that in the book, like. It's. I have no idea, but isn't that so that if they can see into another dimension, that answers why they show up in haunted house movies. That answers why they show up in ghost stories. Right? Ghosts come from another dimension. So well, if, if any animal
0: could see into another dimension, it would be an owl, right? Because they have the, mo- the most advanced visual sense and auditory sense than probably any other animal, right? Any other vertebrate. So, their yeah. eyes are so enormous, and they can see in virtually pitch black if any animal could could see into another realm it would be an owl
1: yes so yes so that's my avenue of thought like i would love for that that would explain so much right so can the owl like see through time does it know like 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 that the ufo is approaching right? why does why do owls show up before ufo then right if that given that logic maybe there's like some like uh like the, 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 the UFO gives off gamma rays and the owl can see it and the mm. owls are curious and they're just like, wow, what's that thing over on the other side of the forest? I'm going to fly over and look at it. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, they're seeing something emanating from the UFO the same way that, like like we can't hear a dog whistle, but the dog can <clears throat> and the dog can respond to it. Maybe the, maybe the flying saucer is like a giant dog whistle to the owls. Right. But why do they show up before the, the UFO? Yeah. I, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I, I want it. To, I, it's a fun it's a fun avenue of speculation.
0: Do you think they do you think it could be a possibility that they the owls are trying to warn us about something or do you think it's sort of like the 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 whatever the beings are are kind of tapping into the owls and trying to like make sure the coast is clear and make sure there's no not going to be any witnesses or something like that. If if
1: that's the case then the owl is absolutely the perfect animal to do that, right? Cuz they can see in the dark and if you if you're like you know if they if the so that implies that they that the aliens somehow can read the mind of the owl right so the owl flies into the location they scope it out they say okay you know there's there's no other witnesses here there's nobody else on the street everyone else is in bed i can hear that it's quiet if there was someone in the house walking around the owl would be able to hear it if the owl's sitting on a on a tree branch near the house it's not going to cause any you know it's not that interesting if someone sees that or notices that at night if there's a gray alien standing in the yard listening to the house that might, if a witness Mm -hmm. saw that, if a neighbor saw that, it might be pretty strange. So, so yes. So there's a, there's a way to think about that, but given that model, the, the UFO occupants would have to tap into the mind of the owl somehow Mm -hmm. to like, or do they, they, do they abduct the owl and put a little sensor in it? Just like, you know, like, like we would do it in a drone, you know, like a little video camera in the, in the
0: owl. It doesn't seem too far fetched that they could they could tap into the, to the vision of an owl or tap in, to the mind of an owl, just yeah. to use it as kind of like a surveillance, surveillance cameras, little It'd be
1: the perfect surveillance camera. Yeah, I speculate about that in the book, and I and I'm cautious because I I get dead ended anytime I go down that road. Because like, why would they do that? Why is it happening so often? What's going? What's really going on? Well, oh, so here's the question: So the overlap between owls and death, right? So right. people, it is very common for people to to report owls either most often after someone dies and i've got so many accounts like this can i tell a personal story this is like happened to me yeah okay so this is like i'm the witness i'm right here (laughs) so, so i my mother was very ill this is going back to 2013 and she was her health was failing and i was called to she was living in north carolina near my sister my sister was helping take care of her and and i got a call and said mike mom's unconscious they don't expect her to regain her consciousness so i flew to north carolina and i was sitting by my mother's bedside when she died it was a really powerful experience it happened at like three in the morning my sister and i were up all night with my mom and we were right there when she gave her last breath it was it was a terribly moving experience for for my sister and I and it was it was one that like is is like it's happened all throughout mankind's history like children at the parents bedside when they pass so the next day like it was three o'clock in the morning when this happened we had all of these issues we had funeral arrangements and people to call and stuff so we were all of us were like trying to sleep at the same time trying to get stuff done so that night I'm at my sister's house. My brother was there, too. He wasn't at the bedside when my mom passed, but he was there shortly after we called him. Um, We're sitting in the backyard of my sister's house. She's got, like, a couch on the back porch, and her next-door neighbor, excuse me, the woman who lives across the street, Ruthie, was right there. And she's a real person. You can call her. She's, like, she's as powerful a witness as any person could be. This story doesn't have anything to do with UFOs, but it has everything to do with the mystique of the owl. Mm -hmm. So Ruthie sits across from my sister and I, my sister, brother, and I. I'm in the middle on the couch. and They're right and left of me. And they both were very familiar with my owl research. They didn't know what to make of it. And Ruthie says, you know, to me and my brother and sisters, my Jim, Gene, Mike, I know there's an afterlife. And I know because of an experience I had with an owl. And when she said owl, both my sister and brother gave me this look like, did you put her up to this? What's going on? Like, they looked at me like, what do you, what's going on here? Did you? Do? And I was like, she looked at my brother and sister, and I had this, Ruthie, Ruthie, like, you don't know what's going on, but I've been doing research about owls, mystical stuff with owls, often surrounding death. I want to hear your story. So she says, when her father died, she was grieving. And there's this nature trail that snakes around the, the, the neighborhood they live in. So she would walk that nature trail every day, trying to process her grieving. And she, every day she would pass this owl. And then one day she was passing the owl, and the owl hooted at her. And she, she said, I looked at the owl, and she said, are you my daddy? And at that moment, all her grieving ended. And the owl flew off. And she hasn't seen it since. And she said, I know. In my heart, I know there is an afterlife. My father came back in the form of an owl to help me understand that and to alleviate my grieving. Mm. I have that story. That happened to me. And 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 I have that story so many times in the research where people will say, like, often a child will see an owl after one of their parents has passed and they will talk to the owl as if it is their parent that is normal and i'm suspecting it's been normal all throughout human history i'm certain mm. people stepped out of the cave after their father died and saw an owl and talked to the owl as if it was the as if it was their dead father i'm not saying it is i'm not right. saying it is but right. i'm saying that within the human experience we tap into that
0: well this ties back to the whole phenomenon of the synchronicities right like when you dedicate so much focus to one thing it it, it appears everywhere absolutely just like the eleven eleven, or like in my experience that there's a crazy story that i that happened crazy thing that happened to me a long time ago i won't tell the details all the details i would bore you with it but it's there was this girl that we found swimming in the ocean in off the Cayman Islands, random girl. We were diving in a boat. No boats around us anywhere. And some girl was swimming in a dress. Got and was in our boat when we came up from scuba diving, and she was like fucked up on some sort of drugs. We don't know what it was. She was like on mushrooms or something. And she had two forty two tattooed on her ankle. And me and my buddy, who uh, were diving together, we both noticed her tattoo. And now we see 242 everywhere we go, right? It's like a synchronicity. It's just like, because we have that crazy experience that we were both there, we both noticed her tattoo. Now me and him, I mean, almost weekly, we'll text each other these crazy things where we'll get a a receipt that's 242, or we got some crazy call that was at 242. I feel like this happens with so many things, people that think they who have had one experience with a flying saucer or a ufo they're all now they're always looking in the sky for this stuff now now like people who have never had these experiences they 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 don't most people aren't looking into the sky most people are are focusing ahead they're staring at their phones or they're driving down the street or they're staring at a computer screen they don't have time to they're they're too involved in the, the the rat race of life they're not looking at the sky, trying to find meaning in something. But people who have had one experience that kind of jolts them out of reality now they're kind of like open to more of these anything that resembles that happening again. Right, that's you. Right. Exactly. And that's that's a it seems to be the same thing with a lot of people who have these UFO experiences.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean it's funny, you go to a UFO conference, you can actually this is, I use that as an example. That's a the great way to, like, you get a bunch of people in the same room together. All of them are enthusiasts, and I would argue that many of them have had contact and are embarrassed to say it oftentimes. So what happens at a UFO conference? You get someone at the bar, and you get a few glasses of wine in them, and like, oh, well, what's going on? You know, like, oftentimes the really stoic, dry researcher will say, like, oh, you know what, I had this experience. And then they'll tell, like, like the experience that sounds like missing time. and right. and,
0: and so— That's so much fun to talk about, too.
1: And and you were saying like uh, going to a UFO conference, aren't you like predisposed to like meeting people with and like yeah, that's why you go there. It's right. like you go there like the plumbers go to the plumbers conference right. and talk to other plumbers, you know. So, but the um, uh, okay, I got to circle back to where you were starting me from. This the uh, oh the the being predisposed to this. Mm-hmm. So you can go to a UFO conference and say ask someone what's your number, and they won't skip a beat and they'll say ten ten. Or they'll say eleven eleven, or they'll say one, two, three, four, or they'll say three thirty-three. I get a lot of grief from that. I if I like I've had some powerful, like some of the most powerful experiences I've had are often punctuated. I'm looking at your watch right now.
0: What time is it? One twelve twenty-three.
1: Ah, okay. I was trying to read it upside down. I would have like proved myself but okay, so I tried, but um so uh the, um,
0: try me in seven minutes. Oh,
1: well, I, it's cheating. It doesn't count. <laughs> so, um, so yes, you're predisposed to like have these number things, but Oh, as far as my own experience, one, two, three, four has shown up a lot mm. in my, in my nuttiness. And so it's like, you know, like the, the timestamp on a blog post, mm. the, you know, timestamps on, on, uh, clocks and things like that. So that's, I don't, I'm, this is the way I say it. I say, I'm not going to start a new religion because I saw one, two, three, four, but I'm going to take note of it. Oftentimes in the the book, I'll just say, you know, I noted the timestamp was one, two, three, four, and I don't want to, you know. I mean, I recognize how paranoid that sounds, but I'm, 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 I mean, you're pulling on these little threads. Right. Sometimes the thinnest little thread will, if you pull on it and find the end of it, it'll, it'll, have some deeper meaning.
0: Mm. Now, you mentioned in your book, you spoke to uh, briefly with Jacques Vallée about your about your story, and you asked him about. Well, the he kid. has,
1: yeah. So I, I contacted. I said, so, so after that thing with Kristen, I asked everyone. I asked everyone. I was, started doing my own.
0: Which one was the most? That was, oh, Chris, the, first, that that was, was the, the first owl experience? sightings in the mountains. Okay, your first experience.
1: My first experience with just owls. They were seeing owls. The voice in my head said UFOs, but I was seeing owls. So I, I was shameless. I was on fire with just like, I was reaching out to everyone. I would call, I made, reached out to everyone. I found phone numbers that were hard to find. I managed to dig. So I got a hold of Jacques Vallée. I only talked to him through, um, actually, I I sent him a paper letter and he sent me his email address back. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) so yeah, so he's, uh, so I said, have you had any odd experiences with owls in your research? And he said, I had a story. This was in France. I think it was in France. Uh, Men are driving down the road two guys in a car, and it's at night, and this owl goes bloop and drops right out of the sky and lands in the road in front of him. It's disoriented. It's flopping around. And and then they stop the car, and they get out of the car, and there's a flying saucer above them. So there, the owl... So that's the, the only story he has. So, so they're a witness to what he calls mm-hmm. a close encounter of the third kind, a close-up UFO sighting. So he speculated just in this written note, he speculated that something of the alien propulsion system must have disrupted the owl and, and, mm. and disoriented it right. The owls flopping around on the pavement on the ground up and just above them is a is a hovering flying saucer wow so so this is and i'm i'm like like i lo- so so this is my weakness in a way like I love. Spooky stories and campfire stories. I I am drawn to these elusive, open ended m- stories that are that just are saturated with this mystique and eeriness to them. And and if you've I mean, getting as far into the book and my stuff as you've gotten, you got to recognize that I'm like like uh, it's like cast a spell on me. Mm. So I'm I am searching out the weirder stories. Right. So do you know who Bud Hopkins is? Yeah. So I, I worked with Bud Hopkins, Bud Hopkins hypnotized me and really, yeah. And,
0: and what was that like?
1: I'll tell you that in a second. So when talking with Bud Hopkins, uh, uh,
0: Tell tell for people who are listening. Explain. Oh, who so Bud Hopkins. Bud Hopkins,
1: is. Bud Hopkins was a UFO abduction researcher. He used the term abduction. He was not shy about using the term abduction. He's a UFO abduction researcher who wrote a series of books between like the early '80s and I think the last one was in 2011 or so. It came out. Um, he was an artist in New York City and he took on the role of uh, researching UFO abduction and talking to abductees and documenting their their experiences in books at the same time. Everyone who worked with him will say he was a thoughtful, sensitive, caring person who was doing two things. He was researching a complicated subject that's beyond belief. At the same time, he was trying to offer solace to the people who have had these experiences. And he died in uh, uh, August twenty first, two thousand eleven, which is going to be the ten year anniversary in about a month now, a little over a month. And and I know that date because my birthday is the next day, the August twenty second. So, um, talking to Bud. He, he, I said, do you know synchronicities in this stuff, like weird stuff that surrounds these, these experiences? And he kind of goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And he said, like, what do you make of that? And he said, well, like, he kind of he made this hand gesture. He said, like, you know, this stuff, this stuff, and he kind of made it, like, like, splashes everywhere. Like, at one event, like, little stuff just goes everywhere. There's all this outlying stuff. And he said, my, it's my job as an author to try to rein that in. and 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 give you my information that way. Mm. And I realized years later that like I'm the guy looking at those little drops that are like just barely connected to the overall phenomenon. I want to know about the synchronicities. I want to know about the owls. I want to know about the weird premonitions. I want to know about the psychic stuff. That you know the core of it is the UFO contact experience. I want to know about all that outlying experiences. I want to explore that. And it's elusive all I can do—I don't have any proof. I mean, a little bit, maybe some. Uh, two witnesses see the same thing. Maybe um, someone has a picture or a recording and things like that. So, um, but so that 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 analogy, of Bud Hopkins, who is a pioneering researcher, he wants to rein it all in. I want to study the stuff at the outline. And that's what these books are—is all mm. the little speckles that surround the core phenomena.
0: So, w- how did he hypnotize you? What was that? Ex- how did you get, how did you get in touch with him? What made so he's, did you want to hip, get hypnotized, or did, was he more interested in hypnotizing you? What what brought this about?
1: So he so I I uh, I used to live in New York City, so I used to go back and forth to New York City and visit folks a lot and stuff. So he was working um, in New York City. And at the time I was living there in New York City, I didn't have any interest in this at all. But that was so I left New York City when I was about thirty, and then I was living out west. And then, and then when I was, when I was out west in Idaho, was when I really started to dig into this research and uh, dig into reading the books and started eventually dig into my own experiences and do my own research. But before I was doing my own research, I, I guess I had started. That was after the thing with Kristen, um, the the events of seeing mm-hmm. the, the multiple owls which isn't that interesting of a story, right? We saw some owls while camping, big deal. But it changed the direction of my life. Hmm. So um, I sent him a letter and he replied. And I visited his house and he had, you know, those laundry baskets you get at the dollar store, you know, they're like big plastic laundry baskets. Yeah. He had, it was just like these files and they're all old, like these old like dividers. And one would say like, you know, Uh, close-up sighting one would say uh missing time one would say you know lights in the sky and and there was just like letters and letters and letters and i'm like i looked at this big thing i was like is that from last year he went that's from last month so i've talked to other ufo researchers and i'll ask them like what's the what, what do you what's the proof in this how do you find the proof in this and i had one lady kind of roll her eyes and go like look at my email inbox you want proof that's the proof like how, like I'm flooded. I'm like, and I'm nobody. Like I'm right. This, this, the owl research is way at the outer edge and I'm getting stories all the time. I'm asking for them and I'm getting them. But mm. okay. Your question was, what was it like getting hypnotized by a Yeah. So I call. I wrote him a letter. I, he got back to me and I was uh, going to be in New York and I went and visited him. And it was a year later that I went back and visited him again. And he said, he was basically like, you know, he heard their stories about the, beings in the yard and stuff like that. And the, he, he was like,
0: like,
1: I was considering hypnosis and I didn't want to do it.
0: So this was your first time being hypnotized.
1: Yeah. And it didn't, not much happened. You know what did happen? So here, the story I told initially
0: did you go into like a? What, no,
1: it's very, it's very. I've been hypnotized. I've gone to. You know what I did? This is funny because this hypnosis in the field. Like I'm on. I'm listless, total inside baseball here. Where you're like you're on the outside, and I'm trying to bring you up to speed on like. Right. So like the infighting and the snipiness and the bickering and the the anger and the the butting heads within the UFO research community is like it's crazy how antagonistic people can be towards each other. So within this that field, like there are people who hate 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 anything that has to do with hypnosis by using hypnosis you're introducing
0: false data you're doing right you can just, implant false memories right exactly
1: right, right? And you can make an argument that and then on the other side there's people who are like oh the only way to access the truth is through hypnosis hmm. and and so like i'm in the middle somewhere which is a better place to be i think than to be like a true believer on either end of that spectrum, and
0: and so I'm super cautious. So, well, all of all of the most famous abduction stories, all of the most famous abductees, like Travis, Walt and Travis Walton and Betty and Barney Travis Hill, Walton they did, all they all have been hypnotized, right?
1: Yeah. But Travis Walton, did, most of his recollection is is conscious. In the books that I've written, most of the reports are like I'll say 99 percent of the reports are done with. There's almost no hypnosis. Uh, used in my books a little bit, and they're my own hypnosis that I use in. in uh,
0: but he, he's been, Walt, Travis has been through hypnosis yeah. since like multiple times to re- re- think, recount so, his stories. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, and then if you read Bud's books, there's like this, it seems like 50% of the, the data emerges through hypnosis. Mm. And what I'm finding is I don't really, I, I like, like I don't trust hypnosis in, to that degree where I think it's a like where it's the truth emerging word for word. I think it's a mess. Mm. Like it gets complicated and it's, it's for sure. So, um, but the, hypnosis, the hypnotherapists will keep certain facts to themselves. You know, like what was how was I'll, I? I don't want to give away too much, but I mean, there's some things I know that I. I won't share, but simple things like how is the room lit? This is actually someone everyone knows. Like,
0: what, what do you mean? Things that, what, what kind of things? Okay, so share? like, so
1: like, what does a doorknob look like on a flying saucer? Like what's the insignia on the suit? Um, uh, you know, what's the, you
0: know, is this the kind of stuff that you would remember after hypnosis?
1: Under hypnosis, you would, you would say these things that, uh, that, that would be consistent with other reports. An insignia oh, on a suit. Okay. Uh, you know, what's the doorknob look like on a flying saucer? if you're on board a craft, um, you know, Word for word the the aliens will tell an abductee the same thing. Oftentimes it's very similar to what they told the, the kids in uh Zimbabwe. You know, I'm paraphrasing roughly, but your spirituality has far advanced excuse me, your technology is far in advance of your spirituality and you're in a dangerous place as human as humans on Earth. So, you know, hypnosis is like it's but was Bud was very ill at the time. He hypnotized me. And I laid, I was on his bed, and there was a woman in the room videotaping it. Really? And I had a blanket on me at the videotape. It's not that interesting, right? So Bud's like sitting there talking very softly, and I'm like sitting not moving and all talking very softly. It's incredibly boring to watch. There's long, long, long pauses.
0: How does he get you into the state of hypnosis? It's
1: pretty, so, it, I mean, it's just a very simple set of commands, basically saying, relax, you know, like simple things imagine you're going down the stairs every step you take you're in a deeper state mm. um, and and it doesn't feel that different it doesn't no. feel i feels like you know, i mean like you're lying in a bed you're relaxed and then he'll ask you a question you'll say stuff like why did i say that like where did that come from i'll, I'll i got some stories to, but for for bud the only thing that came up he, we we everything that we covered was exactly the same in my from my normal memory. No so from your new conscious inf- memory. From my conscious memory, yeah. No new information emerged, except mm. for a few little things. And one of them was the image of the five aliens in the yard. There was a palpable sense, and I talked about it. It was like, it wasn't just, oh, yes, they're here. It was almost like, oh, shit, they're back. It's them again. I had that thought under hypnosis. Does, now here's a question for you. Does that make it true that I've been abducted multiple times by these gray beings? Just because I had a thought that said, oh, shit, they're back. It's them again. It's them again. And I remember palpably feeling like, this is so familiar. This is so familiar seeing them out there. Does that make it true?
2: Hmm. I don't have
1: an answer for that. I could see being vulnerable and wanting it to be true. And I could see being traumatized and saying, no, I reject that. You know, I'm trying to stay somewhere in the middle. And so I'm saying what I felt. So you think doesn't make it true.
0: Do you think this ties to the first time you saw that light in the sky when you were coming home from the football game? When you had that missing time, that missing two hours or whatever it was? If that could have been the first time you let me just ask you this. Do you believe you were abducted?
1: I am now at the point. Where I am calling myself an abductee. Yes.
0: Okay. So you without a shadow of a doubt, you believe that you Oh were my god, abducted.
1: shadow of a doubt. Now you've introduced that. I got shadows all over. The <laughs> doubts are like like the doubts all over it. But the stuff that has happened to me has been so weird and so beyond belief that I have been forced to to say yes, this really happened. I'm so here's the here's the sticky part, right? So UFO abduction, right? So we have this pop culture X-Files idea of metal spaceship filled with little scientists from another planet coming here to study mankind. Why the owls then? Why the psychic stuff? So so here's this is a so people contact me. Are this is a weird one for me. People contact me. I talk to them on the phone. Mm-hmm. I get a new pad. I write the date, I write their phone number, simple stuff. I don't take that many notes. Well, one thing I do is I write Reiki. Do you know what Reiki healing is? Reiki therapy is? No. Oh, far out. Okay. So um, I'm hanging out with the... Like I was you for a long time and yeah. I just got dragged into this and all of a sudden all my old friends... I still have a lot of my old friends, but all my old life faded away and this new life emerged and now I'm hanging out with psychics and shamans and Reiki healers and tarot readers and stuff. That sounds and fun. It's It's been amazing. It's been super rewarding. So Reiki is a Japanese word. I think it means like life energy. So... You go to a Reiki, You could look in the phone book or whatever. Google Reiki therapists. There'll be 10 of them within
0: Reiki five. Reiki m- therapists? They're healers. It's a, okay. it's a
1: non, it's, a, it's a, uh, mm-hmm. a form of non-physical, you don't touch the person. So a person lays in a meditation table and a Reiki healer will, you know, like often something simple like stress, like, mm-hmm. oh, I've been super stressed out. I'm not right. sleeping well. So a Reiki healer will go through these protocols mm-hmm. and they'll put their hands over your body about a half hour later say, okay, you're done.
2: Hmm.
1: and the person will go home that night and sometimes not every time the person will say i slept great health issues so anyway i write on the paper reiki i, I know to do this now reiki and i just wait it's like oh I, you can you know, i got your letter about ufos and owls and now we're talking on the phone right so you said you saw a ufo and had an owl experience let's hear your story and they tell the story and they're the people are emotional they're like, they're, they need to get it off their chest. It's not like they're, if they're trying to fool me, they're, people don't cry when they're trying to fool you. Like, it's very common for people to cry when I talk to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, people cry from trauma. If you're talking about, you talk to a Vietnam vet or something like that, they're going right. to, they're going to, so powerful emotions. So, I would just wait. I said, what do you do for work? So I'm a Reiki healer.
0: <laughs> How many of them are Reiki healers?
1: Of, okay, so that's of the people who contact me.
0: Don't tell me 90%. No, it's less than okay. 90,
1: but it's more than 50. <laughs> so of the people who contact me and have a UFO and owl experience, that's the reason they're contacting me. Half of them are Reiki healers. Uh, that's a rough what? estimate. You don't even know. So So go back to our spiritual. Listen, I'm, I'm extrapolating now. I'm, I'm speculating, right? So the UFO occupants say, your technology has far outstripped your spirituality. And you get these people. Like I know a guy. He's a he's a teamster. He's got tattoos. He's he's like you know a blue collar
0: truck driver. T-
1: truck driver. He said he's had UFO contact experiences. Just one day out of the blue, he's like, I gotta go. I gotta learn to be a Reiki healer. Right. So It's one thing if it's like it's some, you know woman in Sedona who's already got the turquoise earrings and the flowy white gown and stuff like that. It's normal that she should be a Reiki healer, but Mm. the truck driver with the tattoos and the, and the, you know, the blue collar job. So I don't have an answer for that, but I'm saying, and if they're not Reiki healers, they're doing some other form of healing. There's some,
0: yeah. So see, to me, that just seems like a big red flag.
1: What's the red flag?
0: Because they're Reiki healers. They're like, it's the kind of people who, it's, you drive down, you drive down Dale Mabry in Tampa and there's all these little shacks open until 3 a.m. waiting for drunk people to come in and tell them their future. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But there's other people who are, I I would argue very strongly that there's this guy, this guy. Those are the kind of people that,
0: that, you know, want to believe. They want to believe. They're, 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 they're convinced themselves. They're not trying to fool you, but they're. They've fooled themselves and they want to make a connection with somebody.
1: I mean, so this, this form of therapy has been around for thousands of years in, in Japan.
0: Right. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to discount, I'm not trying to discount the history of the therapy or, or, or the credibility of it, but the type of people that call themselves those, a lot of them are scam artists and a lot of them are just hustlers.
1: Okay. So this is a term I use is like, there's a lot of people in this field that make my toes curl in my shoes. Right. So I that's a given, okay? Mm-hmm. But this guy is a down to salt of the earth guy. He's not trying to fool anyone. He's done he's done a reiki session on me. I was healing from an operation and and I I don't know whether there was benefit from it, but I was, you know. Mm-hmm. So he helped, you know, I paid him. It was a, I paid him. It was you know, it was Right. So he I took him seriously. He takes himself seriously. And yeah, I saw like, I'm saying, yes, there's people in this field that can make your toes curl in your shoes at the same time. There's this powerful mystical stuff that exists within this, within this, these accounts.
0: Okay. So going back to your, your, uh, your first hypnosis, um, and you, you mentioned those five gray beings outside your window and you recounted like, oh no, not again. Yeah. And that's not something that you consciously remembered from this experience. From from you called it kind of like a dream, like a very vivid dream. And you kind of what your conscious recount of that experience was like, Okay, they're here, it's time to go to bed. It's time to go back to bed. Put my head down and just go to sleep. Exactly. But when you went under un, you know, under this hypnosis it was different saying like, okay, it's happening again. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep.
1: It felt familiar. So it's, happening, again. it's, so it's happening
0: to you again. Why do you think that this is repeatedly happening to you? Why do you think they chose you?
1: How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go here? As deep as we can okay, go. Okay. So, um, in order to tell that, I got to tell another story ahead of time. The story of March 10th, 2013. Which is uh, it's easy to find online on the presentations I talk about it. It's an event that happened in the desert of, of uh, southern Utah. <clears throat> this ta- this, to tell this correctly takes about takes some time, so I'll I can I don't want to give you just the surface story, but I'll, I'm going to try to race through it a little bit.
0: Okay. Well, we have we have uh, five and a half hours. How your plane leaves? Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I was at a UFO conference, and I. Um, was driving home. The UFO conference was in Southern Arizona. I lived in Idaho. You draw a line, the travel line of travel is right through Utah. And I love Utah. So I wanted to take these little back roads and twisty, turny roads through like the, through the four corners area, through like the national parks, through the, the, the sandstone desert, you know, where like they shot the, like the location for the Roadrunner cartoons, you know, right. that terrain, which I love. And I did a lot of outdoor work over the years and I've spent a lot of time in that area and I love it. So this is like it's deep bond yeah. to that area.
0: Yeah. You spent a lot of your life outdoors camping and hiking and
1: teaching, mountaineering in Alaska and, and Wyoming and all throughout the Rockies and in Canada and yeah. And skiing in the winter. So,
0: so this is, this is like, this is just n- another day this for is, you. This yeah. is what you're used to. This yeah. is your sport.
1: So, and then what happens is I'm totally comfortable sleeping outside. Sleeping under the stars. which is
0: another crazy thing. That's that's
1: it's crazy. Sleeping in a bed, that's crazy when you think about it.
0: You know, like sleeping I'm, outside with no tent, w- with fucking bears and I'll rattlesnakes sleep. and
1: rattlesnakes are asleep at night. Rattlesnakes <laughs> don't come at night. And The bears are like, you know, I've slept. So I've slept out in Yellowstone. Anyway, so yes, I've. It's, so for me, it's what's what's a tent going to do if the bear comes along? Like, how is that going to slow him down? That's you know, true. So, that's true. <laughs> you know, so, might slow a rattlesnake down, but um, but uh, so at this point in my life. Two thousand and ten. I've got the blog. I'm I'm going to UFO conferences. I'm completely immersed in this stuff. I've got a podcast. Um and driving home from the UFO conference, there was a the spot I knew. I'd driven these roads before and I was like, you know, to leave here in the morning. I betcha I sleep at this spot on Highway Twenty. Betcha I sleep there. I drove over there years ago and I said this would be a good place to sleep. So I'm like, I'm gonna aim for that. That's where I want to sleep tonight. So, I, I, uh, sun's going down. It's March, which is kind of wintry still. So, it's cold at night in the desert that time of year, cold at night. So, I pull into this little turnout and I, um, lay my sleeping bag down in the dust. I got a great big winter sleeping bag. I got my pillow that I drive with. I've got a pad, a big thick pad. I'm right next to my car. The turnout was great. Like, there's a spot I could, there's a little sort of dirt road and there were some places where other people had obviously parked there and there's small campfire rings and stuff. People had been there.
0: So it's so a it's a it's not just like a random spot. There's obviously a place that other people can go. And, yeah, and, it, and it's like a little it's a going. dirt road and stuff okay.
1: like that. It accesses another dirt road and stuff like that. So it's a spot that in this to out west it's pretty normal. Okay. You get tired, right just pull off to the side of the road and sleep on the ground.
0: You don't yeah. do that in Florida. It's way too fucking hot and humid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this
1: is like this is there's no humidity. Zero humidity. Right. And everyone's Mormon, so everyone's like if like that's like uh everyone's nice so Mm. so uh so i'm sleeping on so i lay down to go to sleep and i wake up and i look up on this hillside and i say that looks just like a landed flying saucer there's this thing up on this hillside it's this big round structure and i look up and i go that looks just like a landed flying saucer i think to myself and um i've got do you want Yes, yeah, pull it in up. Her, in her pictures. You know what, here let me do one thing here. Like, can we edit this out or you we can put this no, in? No, let's put it in. So so um go to my website. The search or bar. And then just scroll down a little bit. Oops. <clears throat> and just keep on scrolling, because I, I actually have a bunch of pictures that are all on one. Just yeah. keep no no, um I won't okay. Oh, let's try um I, I don't know that I don't wouldn't know the title of it. Just scroll down. It's been within the last year or so. Just keep go fast, just go buzz past everything. Oh, no, wait, you're on the old page there. So just hit the top, the the go all the way back up to the top and hit the logo at the top. And go to the homepage. Reboot it, yeah. Reboot the homepage. Great. Yeah, you can just go, go, go. Yeah, it's going to be just really, you might even have to go to the next page, but this is going to be easier for me to find it. Yeah, keep on going. Just go all the way down. I'll, I'll see it when it shows up. Keep on going down. Yeah, great. That go to older posts. Older posts down. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then there's an owl I saw in the backyard. For those
0: uh, listening and not watching, we are scrolling through. Uh, Mike, oh, hold it! There Mike's we go. There we go. Great. Posts, Great. Okay. Website. Good. Oh, You're
1: good there. So now the all these pictures are, are from the March 10th story. So I've talked oh. about it on a on a in an audio book. Okay. And so so go ahead. So there's the turn off. Okay. okay, so that's where you were camping. That's where I'm camping. That's okay. a that's a Google Maps view. I kind of I, I'm an illustrator, so I tooled that a little bit. And that you arrow, it at nighttime. I made it. I was a daytime picture. I made it nighttime. Yeah. So so go ahead. So click, double click that image there with the thing. So I look up on this hillside, and there's this round building up there, and I say that looks just like a landed flying saucer, and I look at this thing, and I'm like thinking like, like I'm like, just was at a UFO conference, and I like like if this was a UFO. This is a landed flying saucer. I should feel something. And at my gut level, I should feel something. Like intuitively, I should feel something. Right. And I looked at this thing. I felt nothing at all. And I rolled over and went to sleep. I woke up a second time. And there was a coyote howling near my head. Now, I've slept outside a thousand nights in terrain like this. And I've heard a lot of coyotes. I have never heard anything that close. I sat up. I looked around. I couldn't see it. Surrounded do, by sage. Do coyotes
0: bush. ever fuck with you?
1: No, no, they, they might. No, I've never heard anyone.
0: Do coyotes don't mess people. They're scared of them. Uh, not okay. I,
1: I mean, this, anything's possible, right? So yeah, I mean, they could get into food or something like that. Right, right. right. So, but uh, so anyway, but I was not scared at all. It was like this magic moment. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in this beautiful spot. There's a trillion stars. That's absolutely pres- like night in the desert is unlike anything else. It's way out in the middle of southern Utah. No light pollution from anywhere. So, like this coyote's howling. I look up, and that thing is still there. And there was actually one little light off to the side, which I, you can see there's one light that's not really connected. And I remember thinking, like, you know what that's like? That's like at my house at home. Like, that's the lawn light, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in front of this house. So I rolled over and went back to sleep. And I woke up a third time, and there's a bush near my feet. And there was this bright light behind the bush. And it was like this weird light. It wasn't a car headlight. It wasn't someone with a flashlight. It was this weird light. It seemed white. But it it wasn't like a like a car, like you open a car door and the dome light. It wasn't, wasn't headlights. It was like something. I was like, okay, someone else is sleeping here tonight. Mm. Someone just pulled in and they're sleeping here. And I looked up at that thing and it was still up there on the hilltop. And I rolled over and went back to bed. Now, the next morning I woke up and I... I don't remember if I looked up to see this building on the hillside It was dark when I got up still I like felt like I slept all night. I you know, kind of go to bed early when you're driving and then I drove home it was about a twelve hour drive or so from that from there so ten hours or so so from that spot early in the morning like five in the morning I start driving I get home in the afternoon to my house in Idaho and the first thing I do when I get home is I look up on Google Maps thinking like oh there should be a there should be a,
0: a building there a building there
1: so go ahead and scroll down a little bit Right. So there should be a building there. And I, I went back a year later. Yeah, okay, there's there's like that's Google Maps and I kinda put the little uh there's my sleeping spot with the yellow push bin. And there's the spot I went back later. So a year later I went back there, there's no building up there. And that was too okay, now you don't go too much farther. Yeah. So so that building there or excuse me, that um that hillside there is the hillside without anything there. I went there full daylight. Okay. That was
0: your that was your perspective from where you were Absolute, sleeping, looking I was at the standing in the exact Make that picture big, Jordan. Here. Yeah, right yeah. there.
1: So it looks like it looks like you know, sagebrush wilderness of you know cattle country in southern Utah. That's the whole lots uh-huh. of it looks like that, and that is exactly. I'm very very skilled with maps, so that's exactly yeah yeah as a as an outdoor educator yeah, okay. oh yeah. So I'm good and I make maps and so go up one. You Have to. And then. Yeah, so there's that's Google Maps. So that was so I I used Photoshop and I put that arrow in and I put the little fake dots up there to show where the okay. round structure was. That is from the sleeping spot. It's two point six. I think it's two point six miles away. Which okay. in the desert is you're, you're crystal clear. Right. Like there's no humidity in the air. So, <clears throat> so I've I know I've I've gone to my like I've looked at homes two point six miles away like, uh, on a hillsides and I've measured on maps and st- and you can see a house. You can totally see the roof and see the house and the garage and everything like that. Right. So, um, but it wasn't there, which I sort of knew. I that was. But in the moment when I looked up on the map, I was like, why wasn't that there? Maybe the map was, maybe the new building's brand new and the map is only right. a year old, right? Mm-hmm. So I made a blog post and that's what I did the illustration for, for a blog post. So I posted that blog post. This is where it gets weird. Now, that blog post I posted at 1234, one, two, three, four. Okay, it's a little kernel mm-hmm. of information. If you go back in my blog and shortly after March 10th, there's the blog that, where I write about it real time. Slept out in the desert, saw this weird thing, heard coyotes, light at the foot of my bed. And then uh, after I post it, I actually called MUFON, said, have you had any reports from this area? Mm -hmm. This guy said, not from that last night. Would have been the night before, right? Not from last night, but we get a lot of reports in that area, yeah. So, So go down one, and there's a little map there. So I'm standing, just click that once. So I'm standing at the side of my desk after posting this thing. And now just, you got to trust me on this one because there's no one, just me. Like you got to, I, standing at the side of my desk, I had this like, one second, click, psychic flash. I see in my mind's eye this map. I see that in my mind's eye. And then it just is there for a second and it disappears. And I've got my computer open. I was just looking at maps. I got all these point. I got the point, the yellow mm-hmm. point there is where, or the greenish point there is where I was um, sleeping. Sleeping, And that's, that's. Uh, What's
0: the red dot?
1: That's, you'll find out <laughs> to tell the story correctly. Uh, so I knew there were three events on this, three dots on this thing. So I knew what the the green one was. That was the event from the night before. Right. And I knew what the blue one was. That was an event from, doing this from my head, that was from the springtime of 2010. And I was camping with a friend of mine, Natasha, who I met at a UFO conference. She's from Germany. She came over. to. We had a plan to spend time in the desert and hike around the Four Corners area. That's The Four Corners area, that's where Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, and Arizona all Mm -hmm. come together. That's that little spot where the state lines cross there so we had a great trip we spent we were hiking we just went for weeks we were hiking around we had it was great weather it was magical it was this great trip and we were pulled into the little town of Cortez Colorado and there's something wrong with the brakes in my car and so we're so I like ask somebody on the main street like is there a mechanic and this guy says oh this guy back here he's good he's the town mechanic everyone goes to him so I go to the mechanic little teeny town and I drop the car off, and then Natasha and I just sit out front for 45 minutes or something. And he comes out, and it's, it's like so he's got his oily rag. It's like small town in dusty Colorado. And he kind of looks at me and says, I can't let you leave town or you'll die. Mm. And I'm like, what, you, what, is, what do you mean by that? And he says, well, the brakes are going to fail. The brakes are like the brakes. Is, if I, I would be liable if I let you out of, with the car like this. And it's like, All okay, what does this mean? So well, I can fix it, but it's going to be about five days until the part comes in. Five days. Okay. So the guy at the shop helps me get a -a rent-a-car. Natasha and I have nothing to do. Like, well, like let's hang out for five days. So we'll leave the car here. We'll drive around a rent-a-car. The rent-a-car was great. It was easy. It was cheap. Mm -hmm. Little town, you know? So, so that night we camp on the side of the road. We asked someone, where's good camping on the side of the road around here? This girl at the coffee shop. She saw this great spot. You go take this thing out of town. You turn left here and there's a forest service road. You'll find great stuff out there. Great. So we went out there. We found great stuff set up a tent. And so Natasha and I are sitting side by side and we woke up in the middle of the night screaming. Both of us were screaming. I have, she describes it the same way I do. I would, I've since called it synthetic fear. Like it was, I have spent thousands of nights In a tent. I I, I've never felt anything like this. It was irrational fear. Here, go ahead and scroll up a little bit. So, so I'm I'm, I I I, oh no down excuse me down, and just uh, oops, oh I missed it. It's not in there. Sorry, it's going to be out of order here. I'll I'll find it in a little bit. So, so I um, uh, so I like Natasha. What happened? What happened? What's What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And I'm like freaking out. And she's like, I saw a face. Like soft face, I don't know what that means. Soft face. So, so we're screaming and like, and I literally, I felt like I climbed on top of her. Like someone threw a hand grenade in the tent. Like, what's going on? Why are we both so scared? You can talk to Natasha. She'll, she's. Says it the same way. It was irrational. And then we just, so after a little bit, we're both asleep. We go from complete adrenaline freakout to asleep. And then. Now this is where it's it very murky, and I'm only gonna. I, this is I'm gonna tell you what I remember. I don't think this is what happened, but this is my memory. Mm-hmm. I had the total. I'm shaking just telling the story. I had this elevator up feeling, and I floated off the sleeping pad, and I felt myself floating up and through the roof of the tent, and I just kind of faded away, just kind of faded into this whiteness, this realm of total whiteness. And as I was floating, I said, I have to remember this. I have to remember this. I have to remember this. And then it changed to, am I on a table? Am I on a table? Am I on a table? Now, I have no memories of being on a table. Mm -hmm. All I have is a memory of just this totality of whiteness. So, I don't know. It's this time. all of a sudden, I hear Natasha's voice, which I don't think she said this. I hear Natasha's voice with her German accent. She says, Mike, you're floating. And then whoosh, I'm back in the tent. And I'm, and she, so we both sleep soundly. We wake up in the morning. The birds are chirping. The sun's out. And i like, Natasha, what happened last night? And she's, she's like, I saw this face. I don't know. And so when I was floating, I also saw a round floating pizza pan shaped disc, which I've called a mandala in, in the tent with me.
0: Inside the tent?
1: It was inside the tent. So she, I said, where, you know, she said, I saw this face and this is to tell the story properly. requires a lot. I'm just going to, it's in the book. I'll, the, okay. I would, I would sidetrack us and right, take right. a half hour to tell this part <laughs> and then come back again. So, so I get out of the tent, I walk around and I'm like, I'm like, I'm literally looking for a spot on the ground where a flying saucer landed. There's nothing. There's no burn mark. I wanted to find it. Right. But later that day, I found a scratch on my chest. It started at my left shoulder and went almost to my belly button. And it was in like it was a legit scratch, like a like a cat claw, single cat claw, zzz, red mark, red line. Hmm. But when you looked at it really closely, it wasn't a scratch at all. It wasn't like a, a wound like that at all. It was a, it was a line of tiny little fluid-filled blisters that were kind of red. And it, th- what happened is a few days later, it washed off like it,
0: small dots almost, like, in s- like a
1: small line of polka dots. But okay. each individual polka dot was a tiny fluid-filled blister, like like half a millimeter, tiny. And I needed glasses to see it. And and when and I took a shower a few days later and it washed off. And and both Natasha, Natasha's a UFO researcher in Germany. I'm a UFO researcher here. When it washed off, we both went, <gasps> we should have taken a picture of it. That's another thing that's very common. People like avoiding pulling a camera out. Did you program. go and get a
0: CAT scan after this? <laughs> no,
1: I didn't. I never got a CAT scan. So.
0: But that they, would be interesting to see if they could find anything different about like your insides or if they put anything in your body or something. I, I, I,
1: I've, I've, I've thought about doing stuff like that. I have never done it. So my plate's full, right? <laughs> my plate's full trying to, you know, deal with this stuff. So, yeah. so mm-hmm. I, um, so we're like, we're stuck down there for five days. I call the friend up. This is the friend that said, um, you want proof? Look at my email inbox. Her name is Miriam Delicato. So I call Miriam Delicato. She spent a lot of time down there. And she says, well, we call her up. and like, we're stuck down the Four Corners area with this rent-a-car. What do we do? She said, you go to Canyon de Chez, which is in the um, uh, Navajo Reservation mm-hmm. in Arizona. And you there's a guy that runs a sweat lodge ceremony there. Go do a sweat lodge ceremony. It's great. Perfect. Mm. So we went down there. And we I got his phone number. I called him up. I said, we're driving down. He's like, we'll do a sweat lodge tomorrow. And he runs a campground, and there was a few other people there that were going to do the sweat lodge, too, that had asked him about it.
0: So That's not the guy who went to prison, is it? No, not okay. the, the guy
1: where the, somebody died. Yeah. No, that happened in Sedona. Oh, That okay, happened okay. in Sedona, yeah. No, this, in fact, he talked about that at the event. Oh, did he? Yeah, <laughs> so he said, you, like, this is how you do it. You That's some like, crazy shit. Yeah, so, but anyway, so it's a, it was just a, here, um, keep on scrolling down and see if I can find some more of these images here. Keep going. Okay, oops, you went past. Okay, let's yeah, go back up again. Yeah, it's not in this. It's not in this section here. Um, look up. Um, type in that little box on the side. You can just go right up back up to the side and that's ira- um, irrational fear. Oops, not nope, not there. One more up. Yeah, there we go. Boom. Irrational fear. And just see if it comes up. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so there's you can click on that. That's oh, a wow. drawing I did. I had, b- I had bigger sideburns, and I was less gray than.
0: Wow, so. you are you are a serious yeah. artist.
1: I'm a professional. I was. I've worked as a professional That's illustrator.
0: A f- fucking great picture.
1: Well, I mean, I tried to capture it, and and uh, so that was the floating pizza pan that was in the room there. So okay, it felt so like it was I off d- to the
0: side, kind of the pizza pan. Yes, yeah, so. was it directly above you.
1: It was It was more, it's hard to hear. It was more <clears> above, if it, if this was perfectly accurate, which it's not, it would actually be more above Natasha's knees. It looks like above her okay. chest there, but it'd be more above her knees. So we're in the sleeping, so we just, I float up, and that's when I floated through the roof. felt like I floated through the roof. Tip. I, I don't right. know if this really happened. It felt, you know what it felt like? It the felt magnets? Like being in between the magnets. Yeah.
0: So... And when you when you have that feeling of being in between the magnets that are kind of pushing away from each other do you, do you feel like that you're completely you have absolutely no control and you can't con- you just have no control over your environment and you're sort of like paralyzed I so I that's a f- so this is this is all of like 10 seconds this memory yeah. I don't know whether
1: I was paralyzed or not I don't have okay. any memory of being paralyzed what it feels more like is the knobs that control your emotion are at zero like, there was no, like, this is pretty f- weird, right? So yeah. I went, like, like I should have been like, holy shit, what is this? And I I, I wasn't. It was like, every emotion was like, I was blandly wow. blank. So void of any emotion. Like, the vacuum cleaner sucked all the emotion right. out of me.
0: Okay. So at what point on this line map, where did this take place?
1: This was at the f- at the
0: farthest east The one. one in Colorado, right? The one in Colorado. Okay.
1: Okay. So we do this sweat lodge ceremony. Mm-hmm. So it's really be- so the theme of the ceremony was surrender like just surrender to the heat you know so it, and there's f- uh four sessions and it gets progressively hotter mm-hmm. for the four cardinal points on the on the compass and the guy who led it was great he was drumming he was chanting he was funny mm-hmm. um and he was just encouraging us to let go surrender it was this, it was a beautiful thing i'd never done anything like that before i loved mm-hmm. it it was really I I did not get some magical epiphany from it, but it was a lovely experience and Mm -hmm. Natasha enjoyed it too a lot. And then so that's a long story that starts out with the guy saying, You can't leave town or you'll Mm -hmm. die and ends with a metaphoric death and rebirth ceremony. Mm -hmm. That's you go into the to the sweat lodge to metaphorically die to come out reborn. So I was there in my house in Idaho, in front of my computer what was the third thing in the middle of the map? Um, you can go back now to the page you were at before. You can just hit the back arrow up there, I think. And it should take you to, oh, we were way down at the bottom there. That's right. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Go back up there. So, so virtual um, Road. keep on going down. That's the map. So, so we have, we've, we've designated the westernmost point, which is green, and the easternmost point, which is blue. Right. And there's su- that other line in the middle. So go, just go down. Oh, that's the site. Okay, so there's a Burr Trail Road. This is from Google Maps. So we were driving around. I had been to this area before, and I was like, oh, I bet you I can find a good spot to camp here.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? So
1: we pulled off this, this. You can click on that image of the Burr Trail Road there. So we drove off in this little dirt pull-off. This is a daylight picture. And we sat there as the sun was setting. It was this beautiful evening. This was again with Natasha. Oh, hold it. We got, I, I'm jumping way around here. I, I did the thing that I didn't want to do. Okay. So the, the one story ends, right? So, so this event here is from 2011. Natasha okay. comes back a year later. She goes to the same UFO conference that we met at. We're there together. And then we drive back to Idaho my, where my home is. Mm-hmm. And then to do that, you have to drive through Utah. So let's, mm-hmm. let's take our time. Let's let's drive through the West. Let's sleep out under the stars. So that's what we did. So coming home from a year later, it's a year after the event in the tent, we're sleeping alongside the Bur Trail Road. Here, I can go advance one, or you have to go back and... And... Oh, here, now, Just let, let's not click that one yet. Yeah, let's stay with that one there. So... Um, Sleeping out, trillions of stars, Natasha's from Germany, I've been driving all day, she's like, wakes me, Mike, I'm totally jet-lagged, I can't sleep, what do I do? And I'm like, oh my God, I've been driving all day, all I want to do is sleep. Like, just, it's a beautiful night, just go for a walk, go for a walk out there. So she goes for a walk, and I lay in the sleeping bag on the sand, and when she wakes away, there's, a, there's an owl hooting in the bush near my head. It was so close and so loud, I don't understand why I didn't see it. It's almost the same as that coyote. Like, it was so loud and so close, I couldn't understand why I didn't see it. It's right there. It was right there. Mm -hmm. So, a little while later, Natasha comes back and says, Mike, we need to go. We gotta get out of here. Like, what, 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 what? We gotta gotta go. It's like, what happened? What happened? She tells this story. So, when she tells it completely, it was a little panicky that night, but she says, you know, when I left the the campsite here and just walked on the road she didn't get very far like you know a couple hundred yards there was she said it just felt so magical the stars and the stillness and the quiet she said it felt so magical it felt like i was sparkling it felt so magical and she's walking along and then there was a, f- a light off in the sagebrush and she was like what's that light? you can see the terrain there it's just like you know mm-hmm sand and sagebrush and bushes and there's a light off in the sagebrush and she was like, who's out here at that night with the flashlight? And then the light starts floating along she realized, oh no, this is a floating orb. It's a floating orb that's floating along. So the orb goes, gets really big and goes poof and then flashes and vanishes. Then she's scared. She runs back and that's when she wakes me. So I am listening to the call of a great horned owl while Natasha is is seeing an unidentified flying object, a floating, glowing orb. Mm-hmm. I asked her, did you hear the owl? The owl's so loud. The owl's so loud. It's noise rings in the desert. It just it's." She said, I never heard an owl. So, here, go ahead, go to the next picture. Yeah, So, so I had my map program, and I pushed a button and brought up the yellow line, that yellow line is where I was sleeping on the sand. Mm-hmm. That red pushpin is where I was sleeping on the sand. Right about um, at the bottom of the, it was that road was where Natasha was walking when she saw the, the orb. So basically just above the and road is roughly where she was. So okay. pretty close. I mean, we could have talked to each other easily. It wasn't that far apart. Those are big bushes. So when I saw that yellow line and those three events lined up on a map, I was like,
0: "What my, is that yellow line?"
1: That yellow line is the is the yellow line here. Go go up a few. That's that yellow line. That's I pinpointed exactly. I will say to the millimeter the east and west points, to where where the events happened, mm-hmm. and the the yellow line is the straight line that that connects those two sites, and that's where I was sleeping on the side of the road, hearing the owl while Natasha saw
0: the so orb. So those three insane UFO events that you experienced, you can draw a straight line from the location of each one.
1: Well, it's easy to draw a straight line between two, right? Right, but there's it,
0: three. There's three. And you can draw a perfectly straight line.
1: And it passes, not only, it passes exactly. Like you can, so like, a, like turn the clock back like 15 years, right? So mm-hmm. you had a paper map and a pencil Right. right. So you put a little X on one spot, the best you can guess, you put a little X on the best spot. You put the ruler down, you put a line across the map. That line may be a half mile thick in mm-hmm. reality. Right? You can zoom in with Google Maps, get that line one pixel thick, it crosses where I slept in the ground while listening to an owl. Wow. So I cannot I call this my confirmation event. When I saw that yellow line, my old world ended. And all that stuff about like, oh, did that really happen? What is did the like God, I, like, I wonder if those things were in the backyard. Yeah, like all that ended, mm. and I was like, "Oh, like it's real." Like nobody could have, like my subconscious couldn't have put these three things on the map. My, my, like how did this happen? Like mm-hmm. the power of this crazy synchronicity, set of synchronicities. How, if these are UFO scientists in a metal spaceship coming for another planet, how did they do that? So, I like to sleep outside. I like to make maps. I love stuff like coyotes and owls and in sh- shamanic experiences like sweat lodges. This whole thing feels like it was like tailored specifically for me. Like it felt like the clues that were set before me, I was the only one who could decipher them.
0: I mean, oh. But why why you though? So why you? Why, okay, what okay. is your belief?
1: Okay. So so I'll answer that with a story in a second, but for here's just to make things weirder. So uh the the middle one and the easternmost one, yeah, the red and the blue one, happened with Natasha. Okay. The green one, I was alone. Happened on March tenth. March tenth is Natasha's birthday. Like th- this, to tell this story correctly, there are so many strange little synchronicities connected like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that that if that happened in two thousand and thirteen, so. Let me just, for my own sake, I need to say something. I spent between about 2006 until that line, until I clicked that line on the map and saw it, like 48 hours after sleeping out in the desert. I, my mind, I I basically spent 95% of my waking hours wondering if I had gone insane. Like, no doubt. I am not exaggerating. I was stuck in this tape loop that was grinding away in my head that just said, this can't be happening. Is this true? I don't know if this is true. This can't be happening. Is this true? This, I don't know if this is true. When that line showed up, the I I uninstalled. that. I mean, the, 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 the tape loop was out of my head, and I could proceed forward in a way. Like all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, life's pretty easy now without that grinding thing. Am I going insane? Okay. Because this really happened. Right, like I'm not exaggerating about these events here.
0: So it's concrete, yeah. Now, um,
1: 2018, August of 2018, I go for a hypnosis session.
0: Who who uh, hypnotized you this time?
1: Um, Yvonne Smith in California. Okay, and she, like with Bud Gone, and Leo Sprinkle is now very old. So, so there's these key players in the field that are getting kind of old and have either passed on or are no longer doing the work, and So she's sort of the main person now in North America who's doing this, this type of research hypnosis. So I went to her office, and we had met a few times before at conferences, and she was we had talked, and she actually had my book. She has the blue book, the owl book, and so she, um, so I went to her office, and I had done a, a session earlier, and the same story emerged again. And I didn't believe it. I didn't know what to make of it the first time the story emerged. What happened was I, I did a session with with um, a woman named Mary Rodwell uh, almost a year earlier, and I just didn't know what to make of this story. I just didn't know what to make of it. So I said, "I'm gonna we, I want to explore the night. This is the night here of March tenth, two thousand and thirteen. I want to explore this night." Mm-hmm. So she takes me back the hypnotic induction. I'm very relaxed. I'm lying on her couch. The lights are low, and in, in her. You know, her little office looks like a therapist's office. She's sitting in a chair right next to me. We got our voice recorder in the room. I'm laying stretched out on her thing. She goes through about a half hour induction, like simple stuff, like walking down a staircase. And she says, where are you? Like, let's go to the night of March 10th, 2013, the night you saw the round structure on the hill. It's like, and I'm like, I'm lying there. I'm going, well, it's stars are out. It's clear. You know, I'm kind of like, doo-dee-doo, like, like am I under? You know, it's, it's like I'm on the pillow. It's pretty high. I can look up and see this thing. I kind of have a clear memory of it. And she asks a few more questions, and all of a sudden I go, and this is gut wrenching to listen to at times. The session, and I just go, I know it's them. I know it's them. I know it's them. And I was describing the light behind the bush, and and then I'm then I say. I'm looking down at this big thing I'm looking down at this big round structure it's got lights around the edges but I'm above it looking down at it and 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 I think I'm still in this my body's still in the sleeping bag and she goes are you out of body I'm like I don't know I think my body's in the sleeping bag and I think I'm looking down at this big round structure and then there's this like all of a sudden I'm on board the craft can you can scroll down a little bit I think I got this here Keep going. Double click that one, the hallway. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm all of a sudden, I'm in a hallway that looks like this. I did that as a piece of art. I've, okay. And so, so I'm in this hallway, and the very first thing I see, I re- the very first thing I recognize. Now, this is, I had the same experience before, but it was all disjointed, and I was so freaked out. For some reason, I'm much more calm in this time. Mm-hmm. And so in this hallway, the first thing I sense is I'm not tall. I'm not tall. I'm, I'm, I'm short. And I look to my right. I look to my left. And there's a gray alien on each side of me, and they're the same height. And I, I looked down at my hands. And I got these long, skinny fingers. And I looked down at my arms, and I got this skinny spacesuit on. And I'm like, "Holy shit! I'm a fucking gray alien." And it was like totally normal. And Yv- Yvonne is just like doesn't bat it. Like, what happens next? And the next thing that happens is I'm in this conference room. And it's like an ugly conference room like you would see in an ugly cheap hotel, right? It's got beige carpeting and fluorescent lights and folding tables. And and I'm standing there. And then there's this folding table It seems like it was like between 8 or 12. There's a bunch of beings. They're all kind of fuzzed out. But they're what they're, but I can only call it the gray aliens. Now, I'm going to just say this straight up I don't know what to make of this story that I'm telling right now like is it true is it not true did it really happen like there's no ugly conference room with ugly shag carpeting on board a flying saucer like Mm -hmm. so I don't know what I was seeing so but I was presented with this vision in this hypnotic session I'm standing there in the body of a gray alien looking at these beings and I'm like what am I doing here why am I here and I get this voice in my head that says you volunteered for this what is that supposed to mean? I volunteered for this. What what, what am I doing here? Now is the time. So I'm like, what does that mean, now is the time? So it goes back and forth. We get kind of stuck in this little thing. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, just overcome with emotion. And I say, I, I say, you never told me it would be this hard being here. You never told me there would be sadness. There would be loneliness. You never told me that it would be this hard being here. And they say, you volunteered for this. And I, in the session, I am like so angry. I am crying. I am like, this is fucked up. Like, I'm here. I'm dealing with this pain. I'm dealing with these emotions. You have no idea how hard it is to be here. you like, this is fucked up. You volunteered for this. And I get super emotional and Yvonne's like saying, What do they want from you? What do they want from me? And like they I say, they want me to play some role. And at that point, like you can hear it in the audio. You can hear me gonna kind of go. <sighs> and I I remember lying on the couch, it felt like my heart stopped. It felt like my stopped breathing, my heart started to feel like I sunk. Like I was so tense. I was crying. Mm. I was screaming. Like it was ugly, like how angry I was. Really? And and I'm all of a sudden I'm I go from totally rigid with anger and mm-hmm. fear. Like then like just totally relaxed. And there's this long, long silence. And Yvon says, What happens next? And I said, I, I think I'm back in the sleeping bag. Now Before we started the session with Yvonne and I, I said, hey, somewhere in this thing, when I'm like in this vulnerable, unconscious state, you ask me, what's up with the owls? What's up with all the owls? Why owls? She said, okay. So I'm like, I'm back in the sleeping bag. She says, Mike, what is your connection to owls? And without skipping a beat. Now, when you do hypnosis, oftentimes the answers are like really herky Jerky and they right. like just a little whisper and you kind of mumble a lot and she said what's up? What's your connection with owls? And I speak very clearly. I say, the owls aren't important. The owls are a sign on a door. The owl is the correct sign for the door, but the owl is not important. It is the door that is important. i I, this was like seared into my mind after wow. so, so. And I say, we are on this side of this door. We are trapped in this tight little claustrophobic hallway. And on the other side of the door is an infinite vastness. And then she asked a few more questions about some, and I was like, I gotta get out of here. This is too much. I gotta come out of this. So she brought me out of the hypnosis session. So, I, that was, it was, when I said I was, I saw this, it was super emotional the first time, it was Mm -hmm. super emotional the second time, it felt like I was watching a rerun, frame for frame rerun of the exact same experience with Mary Rodwell, and then a year later with Yvonne Smith. So I had two hypnosis sessions, the exact same story emerges. Really? Word for word, frame for frame. It was like watching a rerun. Like, you know when you like click the, oh, I saw this one before, and then you sit there for a half hour and watch it anyway. I was like, I want So, but except for the part at the end about the, the owls aren't important. So mm-hmm. this is like, for me, I feel like I'm on a therapist's couch right now. Like, I'm, I'm like, I spent a decade, like owls, 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 mm-hmm. owls and UFOs. It's owls. It's the owl thing. I'm the owl guy. It's like, it's, I'm my identity. It's my work. It's my mm-hmm. passion. It's this thing that's, the, and then to have like me just blurt out, totally calm and confident, the owls aren't important. The owls are a sign and a door. I took that to mean the owl is a symbol. The door is that other realm. We are on this side, in this realm, trapped in this claustrophobic hallway. That other realm is infinite and magical and enormous. And we are stuck here, and that's there. Maybe when we die, we'll get there. Maybe some, you know. So anyway, I can tell you right now, there is no ugly conference room on board a flying saucer and i can also say i don't trust it at the same time it was powerful powerful so i'm in this place now where i'm trying to like lead my life from this place where like was i like a gray alien in another lifetime and Hmm. i incarnated here on earth to perform some role i mean that's the message and and just so you know that actually shows up a lot in the research
0: when people go through hypnosis the similar story to that,
1: almost exactly the same thing, really? shows up a lot, and I knew it going into it, so I could have confabulated it. I got my my the file cabinets in my head are full of stories like right. this, so I could if I want to confabulate it, I could I can I, I could mm. do a I could create a doozy of a story. But the first book, the first all book, the blue book, I started writing that less than forty eight hours after spending the night in the desert when I looked up at that big round structure on the hill. So I didn't put this together until like five years later, right? So I'm laying on the sand. I see all this weird stuff. I hear uh, coyotes and lights by the bush and I drive home and there's, you know, I connect these things in a map and then I start the book. Okay? Five years later, I get this thing where I'm, where like the story that emerges, which I don't know if it's true or not, is that I have, I'm a, I lived some identity I incarnated as a gray alien I lived some identity as it as a gray alien I incarnated here on earth to play some role and i and I started the book less than two days later so you ask me why are they picking these people why are they choosing people what's the what's the meaning here these people like who've had these contact experiences write books there's a lot of books out there I've read a lot of them so what's you ask what i don't was it given, given your question, the answer I would grudgingly give? It's like, why did they do this to me?" It was like, I think it was to write a book about owls, because that's, that's how it played out. That's what happened. Hmm. And I didn't figure this out until five years after the book was published, or yeah, so
0: interesting. Well, it's a fascinating journey you've been on, man. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got kind of like the coffee was good and I felt like yeah. I, was a, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was on
1: a roll there. So, um yeah, forgive me if I like got too like I didn't I don't want to be like the fire and brimstone No, it was
0: great. It's okay. great. It's uh every 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 single bit, I mean, especially combined with these illustrations that you're able to to put along with your story, it it's fascinating, man. And it's mind bending. <laughs>
1: And, and so you're, you were I could see where you were hesitant. I could see where you were like, ooh like, this is tough. This yeah. is tough. So, so in this research, there's like a crazy line in the sand. Everyone's got the crazy line, right? That, and you can be on this side of the line. Oh, I'll study UFOs and mm-hmm. be on this side. And then there's the crazy line. Well, on the other side of the line, I'm not going there. That stuff's crazy. Those people that talk about abduction, that's crazy talk. I'm not crossing that line. And everyone's got it, including mm-hmm. me. But what happens is that line fluctuates and it moves back and forth. You talk to enough people, it moves this way, it moves that way. You get some. So, and everyone in this research has a different crazy line and a different spot. So I'm, I am pushed right up to the edge of my, my story, my own story. I I don't know what to believe it. It's on, my story is on the other side of the line. Mm -hmm. So here I am. So, like, to, 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 to proceed forward in this work and this stuff and this research, like people ask, you know, people are disappointed. Sometimes they read the books and like, we didn't come to much of a conclusion. Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. I'd be lying (laughs) if I came to a conclusion. Right.
0: Right. Well, it's, uh, it's just incredible. You know, all the, all the stories and, and all of the, especially the concrete evidence of, of, of where you were on those maps, being able to draw the lines from one thing to another. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, I don't even know, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just super interesting. And I'm excited. I'm interested to hear where you go from here, especially like, do you, do you plan on look going into any other specific directions from now on? Do you, do you plan on publishing any sort of more of your research, more of the stuff that you've found? What do you, where do you go from here? So
1: I, you know what, I, so here, can I just I'll, so here's the three yeah, books. Show us okay. the books. So there's the book, three books. So this is the first one. Hold who, them up. Who do I talk to? Who do I point at? This one? Okay, so this is the first book. This is the first book analysis this was published in 2015, and that was the one that I just talked about that started. Here's the second one. This basically is stories that were left over from the first one. This was called Stories from the Messengers, and this one is a collection of blog posts. So when I talked about having my blog, I was like blogging about these experiences in real time. Do you know who Richard Dolan is? He's a
0: He's, yes, I do. Who yeah. is he? Remind me. Oh,
1: he's a historian who does UFO research. He's kind of the. He's kind okay. of the. I've heard the name a thousand yeah, he, times. Yeah, oh, he's he's on every documentary and so, okay. so. So he published these books initially. Oh, really? And then he kind of backed. He's doing uh, some other work now, and he kind Can of I backed out. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. And so he backed out of the um the the uh. The publishing research, and or excuse me, publishing books, and he's now um got a website where it's a where he's doing members content as well as podcasting and things like that so it's similar to what you're doing okay and but he he's like like for a while he was like the guy i would call up like in the middle of the night like oh shit like oh really like what do i do what do i do Mm -hmm. he's like like he's he's like you gotta you gotta you gotta do a memoir you gotta do your memoir and i thought about it and i was like i already did the memoir it's all in the blog it's all in real time so these, the stories that I was just sharing all those, those are blog posts by blog post. You can read them like the day after I wrote those wow. stories. So instead of saying 10 years ago, I had this experience. Some of them are, you know, obviously the stuff when I was mm-hmm. a kid, but I'm also talking about my emotions and stuff like that. Now, what I will say is that the first two books with the owls on the cover mm-hmm. are, are more for a general audience.
0: By the way, just to point out, it's no surprise, but a lot of book covers really suck. These book covers are fucking beautiful.
1: Oh, I did these. I was a um. I was an art director, I was like i was like, no one's doing my book cover like I'm doing it they're amazing yeah so a i lo- there's a
0: lot of shitty book covers out there, and i can i appreciate these ones
1: yes so so the my my logic in creating these was there's a lot of shitty book covers out there, and i'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not going to be one of the shitty ones, so I wanted I wanted to make a nice book cover for these books. Yeah, so thank you, thank you, that means a lot to me because I was like, no doubt, I went full on. Like, I want this to I want these to be nice to look at. So, um, the third one, which is called Hidden Experience, which is the name of the blog, I can th- I, you know, honestly, that's not for everyone. That's like that's like way on the other side of the crazy line for most okay. folks, but it is my own angst is right in there. Like, it's a little bit like I think I gush too much at times but mm-hmm. um but it was but people who have had the experience get a hold of me and said I read your book that third book and thank you for writing it because it helped me a lot. Wow. And that means a lot to me. So I get that I get that kind of feedback in those kind of letters and that means a lot to me.
0: Wow. Well Mike, I think uh we've covered pretty much everything we possibly can. Where can people find your books Where can they buy your books and where can they contact you?
1: You can get the books on Amazon, easy enough. Um just type in my name. The bo- The first book is called The Messengers. If you click on one, the rest of the series just shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can get to my website. Uh, you can, you know what you can do is you can type uh, UFOs, owls, and I'm the first thing that comes up.
0: It's better to search for it than to just type it in directly. It's fewer
1: letters, yeah. <laughs> so it's only six letters, so you can, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> But you can, you can go to mikeclellan.com, and that will take you to my blog, and that will also link you up to the other sites where you can get the books and things.
0: Awesome. Thanks again, Mike. I really enjoyed this. This was
1: great. Thanks.
0: Goodbye, world. Thank you.